I think we are live, baby. Hola, bienvenidos a Hustocks. Wait, is that mic on? Yeah, it's on, right? Can you hear me? Go ahead. Hola, bienvenidos a Hustocks. No, you gotta hit the switch, fool. It's on, bro. Oh, oh shit. Oh, bienvenidos a Hustocks. Hoy tenemos a Jer, Young, y Lucky. Bienvenidos. We need to work on that, bro. <laughs> we really need to work on that, dog. Let's go. Everybody's going to tap in. Yeah. Hoodstocks, baby. On a motherfucking, what is it, Tuesday night? God damn it. Let the ceremony begin. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Countless battles, I walk with no shadow. Yeah. Desert in sandal, the ghost with the candle. Woo. King of all crowns, rip the rattle off serpents. Blood, I thirst, since I am the worst. Ah. Follow your footsteps, you have no footprints. I am the surface, you worthless purpose. The moon, the stars, I'm connected to darkness. Heads of marksmen, I've hunted the farthest. Village of troops, but I'll top the roofs. Black Sunday service with Holocaust roots. Homo Kabbalah, black magic and balas. These AKs and hollows will leave you forgotten. Woo. This bottomless season, you lose. Looking for me, Mussolini, Godavi, the world cannot stop me. I'm legend, remember me? Give this since birth, you were delivered in a hearse. Your mother and your father trade your soul for a curse. I'm a soldier, coming at you like a locomotive. Woo! Never knew I'd never get the culture. Woo! Servants at the tabernacle potion. The devil made my father, little spirit set beside me. My mother was a slave to three witches on the island. Ever cheat death? Uh. Ever wake up and can't catch one breath? <laughs> Master of obstacles. Nostradamus, I structure the continent, the director of operas, I swing my arms, I move the seas, I change the weather, I'm 100 degrees. Damn, I hate when that shit happens, dog. Hold up quick. That was you rapping? Yeah. Stop. Yeah, one, one stage in my life, brother. Been, nice. been, nice. been waiting for that intro. <laughs> That's right, baby. Been waiting for you, doggy. Uh... I want to wish Toka Reyes a happy birthday, my G. Yes, sir. Thank you for your support. Absolutely. And uh, salute to you to another year, brother. Alive, right? Uh, cherish every year. Make the best of it. Now uh, give your girl a big kiss, right? <laughs> she made this happen right here, baby. Um, this evening's podcast is brought to you by uh, attorney Nicholas Rosenberg. He is a certified specialist in criminal law and has represented many well-known music and film clients and is proud sponsors of rap concerts. He has been on Hoodstocks many times and is down for the culture. Yes, he is. Attorney Rosenberg is based in downtown Los Angeles and specializes in defending all strike offenses, firearm and gang allegations, and sales of controlled substances, strikes, guns, gangs, and drugs. Strikes, guns, gangs, drugs. That sounds like a hook or something right there, huh? Uh, for at least for the latest updates, at Attorney Rosenberg on Instagram and TikTok. Attorney Rosenberg is punching back on criminal cases. So, you know, if we cross that bridge if it ever gets there, and let's knock on wood and hope that it doesn't, right? You know what I mean? But if so, Attorney Rosenberg is a good dude. Looking for good quality herb, and I mean real quality. Hit up the Dank Shop of Whittier where you can get all the best brands and products of cannabis. You can find them at 15022 Mulberry Drive, Unit K in the city of Whittier, baby. Follow them on IG at thedankshop.420, and their phone number is 562-561-9406. We're also sponsored by Origin Bakery Equipment, your one-stop shop for all your bakery restaurant equipment needs. Home base to wholesale commercial bakeries, new, used. Follow them on Instagram at Origin Bakery LLC. You can pull up on them in the city of South Almani, uh, 10411, pardon me, 10441 Rush Street. 
Okay. Today's podcast, this evening's podcast, is another example of a mission I've been set on to complete since day one. Best believe that, baby. Huh? And that's bringing other worlds together that would not normally socialize, right? Athletes hang out with physical superior beings, intellects hang out with academics, celebrities hang out with famous people. The streets hang out with people with criminal records. Not all, but you know what I mean. With that said, representing the Hmong people, everybody give it up for Jerk. Thank you. Thank you, brother. How, how are you doing today? Doing good, bro. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, brother. Shit, it's an honor to have you on. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said in the intro, um, you know, everybody is just so infatuated with what's going on in their world. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, who's this? Who's that? You know, what's the latest and greatest? You know, but we, bro, we need to get in touch with our freaking neighbors, bro. That don't look like us sometimes. That don't have the same complexion. For sure. You know? And I think that's important because I think if we make that, if we make that connection, bro, and we have an understanding that, hey, these people may not look like we look or from the same ancestry, whatever, bro, but they're the same. We, we're all basically the same, bro, in a lot of ways. We all bleed the same color. Yo, let's go, baby. Homie's dropping bars already. <laughs> dropping bars already. This is this hasn't been rehearsed, I promise you guys. <laughs> um, but you know, bro, it's it's an honor. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Johnny. Johnny's in the building. Uh, yes, the what it, Johnny? What is it again? The the unscripted, not what is it? Your Instagram? No script fellowship. You guys know Johnny, ex watching now minister. You know, I mean, he's in the building right now to enjoy um, just this great guest that we have right here. He's, you know, and uh, we appreciate you, brother, for, you know, inspiring homie to come on the podcast, bro. You know, so thank you, Johnny. And we love you, brother. And we're all waiting. Like I tell off off air, you know, we're waiting for you to open up your church, doggy, because I, I will take my kids to your church, dog. That's on God, dog. Yeah. But um, how was the driver? You came from San Diego. Yeah, man, it wasn't too bad for a Tuesday. Um, I was just telling you earlier, Friday I drove, drove up to NorCal and it was like three and a half hours just to get to this point in commerce. So today it was two and a half hours, so not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, bro. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> shit, traffic is real around this camp, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's true what they say about LA traffic. I, I've been in Northern California my whole life, so um, from the Central Valley, zero traffic. Yeah. Yeah, it's a culture shock for sure. That's that's interesting, bro. You know, but I guess it makes sense. I mean, I'm sure San Francisco, though, is probably, there's probably a lot of traffic there, right? Any major city, you're going to find traffic, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, so what part are you originally from where there was no traffic? That made this a, a culture shock almost. So I was born and raised in Modesto, California. So that's like literally in the heart of the Central Valley, so, um, right by Stockton. Are you a Nate Diaz fan? <laughs> I'm a fan because he's from the 209. His fighting style can, you know, can can be touched up on a little bit, but yeah, he's cool. It's kind of he's got a, he's got a, just a, like a wild fighting style. Like, yeah, I mean, if he didn't have a, a steel chin, 
he that style would be in trouble a little bit, huh? Yeah, for sure. And he didn't have that, bro, like, when, what was God thinking when he created that dude? <laughs> you know? It was a zombie just coming at you. That's a zombie, bro. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's almost, if anyone has ever been in a fight with somebody that's under the influence of PCP or methamphetamine, <laughs> that would be, I, I think you can compare that to maybe getting them, being in a fight with Nate Diaz, bro. They don't go down. They just keep on coming. Yeah. You know? Only way to stop that guy is doctor. The doctor's got to stop the fight for, for all his bleeding and all that um, all that tissue he's got torn up in his face. It's crazy. Yeah. Or if you're on the streets, what else, what else will stop that fight? <sighs> Nothing. A fucking gun, homie. <laughs> We're not. We don't promote violence, though. But I'm just saying, God damn it. You know? Um, yeah, that that dude will not stop. He will make sure that when he does stop, you're done, yeah. you know? Um, but anyways, uh, talking to you prior to this interview right here, you, you, you said something that resonated with me because Johnny kind of said, told me the same thing um, in regards to the Asian culture as a whole. Kind of a tight-lipped community? Yeah, super tight-lipped, like... Me, for the audience watching and the Hmong people watching, they're, they're probably super surprised that I'm up here, uh, especially being a young buck in, in the Hmong community. Uh, usually when, uh, you know, there's something going on, uh, we look up to our elders. So uh, we typically would want to see an OG or an elder uh, representing uh, whatever whatever is going on. So it's um, doing this is probably a huge surprise to them. And so you had to... You had to ask a little bit of permission to do this. Yeah, for sure. I had to check in with all, you know, all the brothers, the older, mainly just the older brothers, and then just kind of be a little discreet in terms of what we can talk about, what we can't, uh, what we can. And um, like, you, uh, like you and Johnny said before, the Asian community, they're really secretive, you know. They, um, they like to, what's called, what they say, safe face, you know. In the, in safe face? Of, yeah, safe face. So anything that really goes on in the, in the Hmong community, they keep that, you know, on the low. And so growing up in Modesto, was there a strong Hmong community right there? For a small period of time, uh, there was, yeah. Um, a, a very, very small time during my life living there too. Uh, up until like the first grade, um, most of the Hmong people in Modesto, they, they all kind of dispersed. Uh, there was too much like tragic uh, things going on. It was getting too hot there, so everyone just kind of went up north, Sacramento, uh, went south, Fresno. Some even went to the Midwest, Minnesota, and uh, that's actually where most of the Hmong people live in Minnesota. Fucking Minnesota, dog. Yeah, the people from Minnesota have like a an accent. Uh, I've, I've never, I've I've heard people from Minnesota speak and I hear an accent. I mean, you go to Texas and accent, Alabama, there's all accents, but they have a kind of like just a, a Yeah. Um, but that, that's interesting, bro, that you can go to fucking Minnesota and all of a sudden yeah. there's, a, there's a bunch of monk people. And so for myself, bro, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know the, excuse my ignorance, brother, excuse my ignorance. What's that? Saying the audio's off. Audio's off? 
Check, check. What's that? Only when you switch to that other. Is it switching? When I switch to him, it's off? Switch to him. Go ahead and talk, though. Yo, check one. Check two. I think you pressed a button earlier. I don't know if that's what caused it. Let me see. Go go back to go back to homie right here. Let me see. Say something. Yo, can you hear me? It should be on. Check one. Check two. We good? Hello? Is it on right there? Oh, so the top angle is off. Did, have you got, did you go to the top angle with mine? Okay, so that's off right there. That audio is off right there. Hold on, let me, let me, hmm. Okay, so let's not use the top angle, okay? Can you guys hear it right there? All right, so, so you, you switched to my camera, right? Okay, yeah, and I'll fix that during break, and I didn't add an audio to that, like a dumbass, okay, but we're good. Um, apologize about that, brother. Good, bro. We got a new system right here, and we have a, a crew right here, and we're kind of working out different cameras, uh, uh, different buttons, so on and so forth. Um, but we, so we were talking about we were talking about um, the Hmong people being uh, out in Minnesota. Let's let's try to get back on track a little yeah, yeah, bit. Yeah. I hate when that happens because it kind of messes up the flow, but it's all good, bro. Yeah, it's live and traveling there, baby. Yeah, yeah traveling there, baby. Exactly. Um, they, a lot of them moved to Minnesota. I mean, how was your upbringing? I mean, how do we start? How do we start your story or your representation of speaking for the Hmong people? For the so that's what I was saying. I was saying that before Johnny's, I mean, interview, bro. I didn't excuse my ignorance, brother, but I didn't know there was yeah such a thing as Hmong people. Yeah, you know, I mean, we know we, we know the basics, dog. You know what I mean? You know. We know beans, rice, carne asada. You know what I mean? Mexicans, black, white, Asians. Yeah. Excuse the fucking stupid analogy, but I'm just saying, like, right? Yeah. But 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 when you dive deep into like any culture, if it's Latin culture, if it's over here, bro, yeah, yeah there's just different ethnic, yep. you know, backgrounds. But the, the people may still look the same, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, so where where do the Hmong people originate from? So first thing I want to say is to my Hmong people listening um, and everyone listening, when it comes to the Hmong and the Hmong culture, uh, everything's really in the gray area. There's nothing, nothing's ever black and white. And you'll see what I'm talking about as we kind of talk more. But um, to answer your question, you know, the origin of Hmong people, if you want to be really technical about it, um, it's actually unknown. And... The furthest date we can uh, originate our, our origin uh, from from our elder sto uh, storytelling, um, you know, things to us and what scientific evidence can show you is we're actually, uh, we origi originated from Northern China um, in a region where the Yellow River resides. So um, from there, we, we, we moved southward and um, if there's one word that I can describe, um, that I can use to describe Hmong people, it would be nomads. Uh, we were just nomadic people. We, we actually didn't have a country. So we, we have no, well, we got like no flag essentially. So we were just nomads moving place to place, just finding a place to settle. And, um, but yeah, from all the storytelling and all the Hmong people will tell you, we, we originated from, from Northern China in the Yellow River area. 
And then we eventually moved south and, and settled down to Southeast Asia. And even all the stuff in between to get down there, that's a, that's a whole different story too, uh, which we can talk about. And so the Yellow River, bro, is that a, more of a, like a desolate area where they, so I had, I had a, a Brown Lucci on here. He lives in Mexico, right? And, and we were talking about uh, Chinese Mexicans mm. that migrated to Mexico, bro. That's crazy. And, 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 and the natives of that land at the time said, nah, bro, this is us right here. Yeah. And so they pushed them out to the desert, bro. Yeah. Like where, the, where they didn't want to be at. And what these, with, with, with the, with the, these Chinese people did, bro, is <laughs> it was so hot there, bro. Yeah. They built their houses underneath, underground, bro. That's crazy. They built it underground. But it's crazy because you can go to Mexico right now, bro, and there's Chinese people out there that speak Spanish way better than any Mexican in L.A. speaks it, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I, honestly, it's amazing to me, bro. But does it, so what I'm getting at, brother, is is that kind of like, a part of China, Northern China, you said, is that correct? Yeah. The Yellow River, bro. Is that a part where the Chinese people are like, hey, bro, you guys can have that stuff right there. You know what I mean? Or, or is that just where you landed or where? Yeah, from what I know is that that was one of the main areas where civilization started happening in China. So this is like, you're talking about like thousands of years back, like not even hundreds, like thousands of years back. So, um, I don't know all of the all of the details, yeah. but um, from what I've from what I've seen and read is that area was one of the main parts where um, civilization uh, was happening in in China. Yeah. Okay, and and we were, we were part of it. Wow. Yeah, and speaking of um, Chinese being in in Mexico, I had a roommate who was um, uh, who was like that. She was from I believe she was from TJ, but she was uh, Chinese and Mexican. And she she looked like full on Chinese, but she would have she would speak better Mexican than my girl, and she's she's full Mexican. Damn. Yeah, and it, it was a trip. I was like, damn, that's crazy. So spicy little Asian chick, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, man, dog. That's it's you know life and 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 just culture, ethnic backgrounds, people's just journeys that individual families take throughout life, bro. I mean. These these are the stories, bro. That 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 are really fascinating, bro. Yeah. Individual stories, bro. Because you know what? It doesn't like yeah. You can say I'm Chinese or I'm Mexican or I'm half and half this and that, bro. But when you get down to the nitty gritty of what that that family uh, 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 tree, right? That particular heritage. I mean, the journey that they took, bro. I mean, they, they they probably just like they're not all. I mean, obviously they're not all the same, bro. And they're really fascinating stories, dog. I mean, just like the Hmong people, bro. There's probably a lot of Chinese people that originated as Hmong people as well, but they probably just don't know it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and that's kind of the Hmong thing. Uh, the Hmong culture is uh, because we were never settlers and we were always on the move. Um, our history was always. Um, like burnt away and there's like a lot of genocide involved in between uh with with our people and a lot of that is what caused our our kind of um that's why it's hard to find evidence on our people and 
what you hear is just from is just pure storytelling from your elders, from from your parents. Your parents heard it from their parents, and so on and so forth. And then, and this is why I say uh, the Hmong culture. A lot of it is in the gray area because, as you know, when you storytell through generations, you talk about hundreds and thousands of generations or, or years. You know, information can get mixed. Um, you know, there can be misinterpretations. Um, so yeah, I mean, your lineage really has to be pure, bro, to be in the year. 2022 bro and yeah. still to be able to identify as the Hmong people bro like yeah like your your lineage bro your lineage bro married Hmong after Hmong after Hmong yeah in order for that to get passed down to, to how old are you brother I'm 25 25 brother yeah I mean you're in the prime time of your life baby yeah. you know what I mean here on Hoodstocks baby you know what I mean representing doggy for for a, a a bloodline that is potentially like distinct almost right you know yeah it's um that was the that was the way to survive you know just hold each other accountable and 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 survive that's what we were doing our our whole life you know um i feel like we still are to this day and it's it's crazy how deep our our history runs and what i told you earlier uh, in terms of um the Hmong kind of being um, the, or like if you want to be technical, there's there's a sermon I watched when I was younger uh, when I went to church and he was a Hmong OG and he he showed us a map and he kind of gave us like a description of uh, of the origin of Hmong people and he actually said that we originated from a part of Europe and then from Europe we traveled all across like Asia down to Russia down to Mongolia and then down to China in Southeast Asia. So, um, so yeah, our history runs deep, but like I said, in terms of like scientific evidence and from storytelling, um, we always resort to Northern China in, in terms of where we originated from. And the dialect is, is speaking, uh, the language is speaking Chinese? No, we, we speak Hmong. And I mean, it's okay, so how far is that off from Chinese, the Chinese language? If I'm being honest, I'm not too sure, but um, I know throughout the years, throughout the centuries, we did adopt, uh, like, for example, we adopted the, the English alphabet. And a lot of that had to do with the French colonizing Southeast Asia. And we actually didn't, there was a point of time where we actually didn't really have um, have a language, bro. Like, we... Um, like, there's a story out there that says, um, so there's Hmong clothes. And on Hmong clothes, that was a way for women back then to preserve our culture. And that's how we communicated with each other, is we would, we would kind of imprint them on clothes. And to me, the way I look at it is, it's kind of like hieroglyphs, like, like in Egypt. That's the way I would look at it. But yeah, we never really had our own, um, like a, like a, I don't think because we don't we didn't have a country we didn't really have our own language we just kind of found a way to communicate with each other and then picked up on on people's language around us. Shoot, the ultimate survivors, baby. Yeah, the Hmong people, baby. Damn. Yeah. Almost like uh, I mean I don't mean this in a in a in a negative way, derogatory way, but almost like gypsies, bro. Yeah. Yeah, or like barbarians, nomads. barbarians. Yeah, nomads. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, yeah. you already said it. Nomads, gypsies, bro. Yeah, yeah. A hundred percent, bro. Yeah. 
Yeah. And here you are now with a Mexican chick, bro. <laughs> you fucking up, bro. Better go find yourself a Hmong chick, dog. You know I, grew, I, mean? I grew up with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I, he keeps on saying that. I grew up with y'all. You know what I mean? I, I did, man. Hey. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have you're gonna have beautiful babies if you don't have any yet, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean, absolutely, bro. You know what I mean? Fucking hey, when Asian and Mexican get together, bro. Oh my God, watch oh, yeah. out, baby. You know what I mean? Most of my in laws are Mets are like a lot of my brother in laws and sister in laws. They're Mexican. Okay. And um, I grew up, I grew up with a lot of you guys, so we're uh, we're pretty deep in that culture too. And every time we feast, it's always Mexican food and Hmong food, so we get the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely, and we're gonna get we're gonna get into. What Hmong food is because homie brought some, but we'll we'll get into that uh, later in the podcast. I want to I want to talk about I want to talk about what you want to talk about, bro. How you want to how you want to navigate your story, bro. Where yeah. you want to start, bro. You know, do you want to start on how you were raised with your parents, bro? I mean, how do you want to do it, brother? Mm -hmm. um, I would like to just kind of briefly um, explain, very short, but where how where and and, and how the Hmong people came about. Um, so we, like I said, uh, there was three, um, and again, this is all coming from, uh, from storytelling and, and doing research too. But at one point of time in Northern China, um, there was three tribes, um, kind of like three dynasties and they all, um, they all had conflict with each other and two of the dynasties, they, uh, they joined forces and fought the third one. And the third one consisted of Hmong people. So we were defeated, and then therefore we were pushed out and went, uh, went southward. And then years and years and years later, uh, one of the last uh, dynasties in China, the Han Dynasty, um, they had a genocide out for um, the, minor the minority group in China, which consisted of us. And other minority group, um, they might have consisted of, I believe, uh, Mian people, have similar uh, have a similar history to us too. Min 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 m i e n m m i e n min. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they don't have a country neither, so they're they're nomads just like us. So um, if my if my memory serves me right, I believe they they share similar history to us too. So uh, the Han Dynasty they had a genocide out for uh, the minority group uh, that was residing in China, and then. Uh, and then therefore, again, we were pushed southward. And then um, the Hmong people, they, they had actually kind of went like two separate ways. Uh, some stayed in the southwestern region of China. And then the, the second group went down to Southeast Asia. And then China, they, um, they described the minority group. They kind of used a, a umbrella term called Miao, M-I-A-O, Miao. And that's what they just kind of identified the, like, like how you guys identify in the prison system, others. Yeah. Like that was their, that was the meow people, just the others, right? So disrespectful. Huh? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, bro. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's really interesting. I mean... When we talk about genocide, I mean, you're talking about the Mian people. They were genociding on, on, on you guys, to try to stop your uh, production life, reproduction of life, right? 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just all about, back then it was all about territory, right? Yeah, territory, power, yeah. you know, absolutely, brother, absolutely. I mean, and then and what what other what other beefs were there or wars were with, within the Hmong people and who else? I mean, was it with, with China, with Chinese people, uh, you know, native, if quote-unquote native of the, of the land, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Um, do you know of anything else that was kind of like trying to uproot your roots from moving forward in life and spreading, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, Hmong people faced genocide again, um, just recently actually, uh, recently actually. And this was during the, um, the secret war. It's called the, also known as the Vietnam War. And um, it's crazy because I feel like the United States kind of kept this on the low because I've never seen it in history class, but I've seen all the history from World War One to everything to to George Bush, and I felt like they kind of skipped that part and didn't mention anything about the Secret War and the Vietnam War. And um, so, not to kind of fast track a little bit, but um, going back to the Meow people, um, the Meow term was looked at to some as a derogatory term, and then some they accepted that term. So. The, the Hmong people that saw it as a derogatory term were mainly the Hmong people that moved uh, further south to Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia is where Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand is at. So the Hmong that took refuge over there, um, they looked at the, the term meow as a derogatory term. Uh, not all of them, but, uh, but some do. And the reason for that is because other, uh, the other cultures around us um, like Cambodia and Vietnam, people, uh, Laos, um, everyone in that area, they use that. They they kind of mimicked us, and they uh, they said meow like a cat. Yeah, because they looked at us like uh, like wild cats, like wild animals up in the you know in the jungle. So uh, Hmong people, they kind of have a, a resentment towards that term, uh, but some actually uh, has accepted that term and, and embrace it. Yeah, embrace. I it, mean, yeah. after a while, bro. Let's just be honest, bro. In, in, in life, period, bro. Like, I, and I'll use this as a stupid example, but a simple example. Um, if you're from a neighborhood and they start, they they uh, use a derogatory word for you guys, you know what I mean? Stupid, like childish shit, right? You know what I mean? And so for my neighborhood, after a while, we fucking embraced it, you know? You know, we, we embraced it, you know, but, but you know, certain traditional people, right, they're like still like, no, nah, fuck that. But I but I get it. I, I get it, bro. After a while, being called something so long, bro, you're just like, fuck it, dog. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. What's cracking? Yeah. You know? It's what you want to do? Yeah. This fucking wild cat is going to claw your ass right now, dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's not too, that's, you know, that's kind of a, you know. You know the the unicorn of the of the of the the Asians or that 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 uh, region you know of of, of China, bro. Mm-hmm. You know you're kind of you know you're different, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but are you different? Mm-hmm. You know, with with for people like within, I mean, within that within the culture of 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 say that land of you know Chinese Hmong. I mean, I mean, how different are you guys from one another? You know, besides, I get it, bro. There's different lineages. There's a different language. I mean, but then again, you said you you guys picked up your own language from just, mm-hmm. you know, circulating, being nomads, right? Surviving, mm-hmm. having to have, you know, communication with wherever the fuck you at. Yeah. And it's almost created your own fucking language, right? Yeah. Excuse my language. Um, <laughs> excuse my language. <laughs> um, 
but it's just uh it's just really interesting but how how different are you bro honestly i think the main difference is just like our beliefs um you know that can go back down to um to like religious belief um i know Hmong people um most Hmong people are sham uh they believe in shamanism and i don't know i'm not exactly sure what the chinese believe in but um but yeah, I don't, I don't think we're much different at all besides, you know, just um, just beliefs, just like normal people like like we see today. Yeah. And so shamanism, I know what a shaman is, you know, so shamanism, would that be uh, would that be just an elder saying this is what life is mm-hmm. acting as a, you know, an elder, a wise one, a shaman. Right. Yeah. Would that would that be kind of interpret what? The belief is whatever that person is saying. Yeah. So I'll be honest. Uh, I'm not shamanism, and I I never really grew up around it because uh, because I moved to the opposite opposite side of town and away from Hmong people, um, which we will kind of talk about in a little bit. But uh, Hmong people, um, it's it's kind of like the spirit world, the spirit world that they believe in, and there's shamanism. Uh, there's shamans that um, come do like rituals for. For us Hmong people, and, and they are looked at as like an elder, like a leader. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's Hmong people. They they believe in in the spirit world, and they they um, they they kind of worship their their ancestors. So you would so then you guys would would really uh, relate to say like maybe the Aztec culture, yeah, um, Mayans, right? I think that you know uh indigenous natives, right? Yeah. They be, they believe in the spirit world if I felt, if I'm correct. Right? Um yeah, that's 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 really interesting. And so what do you what do you practice now? So I'm a Christian. Christian. Yeah. Christian. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um my dad my dad uh was actually um believed in shamanism at one point, but um he he converted to Christianity at one point in his life. And, um, yeah. Just, I mean, uh, how do you, how do you still like, if you, if, you, if one is still with the old school belief system as shamanism, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you, how does one practice that saying that, say like your dad, he converted, but before that, mm-hmm. I mean, things were passed down to him. Do you know what, I mean, was there prayer involved? Was there, you know, did you ever see any acts or any teachings, teachings that were, you know, no, I've never seen it, seen it because when my dad um, converted to Christianity, I was barely born. Got you. So he was he he converted in the late '90s, and I was born in '97. But um, I do so obviously I'm still connected to other Hmong people and they their shamanism. So whenever we go to um, you know life events, uh, you see you know rituals that they do. And I can talk about that a little bit too, based off what I see and what I know. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of uh, the practices um, occur when there's like big life events, like when there's marriage or death um, or Hmong New Year. Um, those are like the only um, big days that they celebrate. Uh, we don't really have any sort of like holidays. Like I don't even think we, we knew what Christmas was back in Southeast Asia or you know, a Thanksgiving. Uh, we just had a Hmong New Year, and then there was always a um, a big gathering for marriages and and when uh, for funerals. 
Absolutely. So Mong New Year, what would Mong New Year uh, consist of and what is the, the origins behind it? Yeah. So Mong New Year is, I mean, pretty similar to, to everyone's New Year, just kind of flipping the, you know, the next page to the next chapter. And and um, they celebrate the complete, they, they, they like to call it the, the completion of the harvest because we were like farmers and we were just kind of thankful that, you know, we lived another year and, and ready to, to move on to the next. And and then also to to uh, show respect to the ancestors and the spirits too, and um, and then it's also kind of a, a time to time to mingle for for like all the you know for everyone, and that's kind of a place where you know you kind of meet your you know your your potential future spouse. Uh, there's games that they would play to to kind of interact. Like there's I I vividly remember uh, they we used to have a Modesto Mong New Year. And the crazy thing is, so we have these Hmong New Year's um, wherever we're populated. So there's a Fresno Hmong New Year, a Sacramento Hmong New Year, um, a Merced Hmong New Year. And then they all happen on different weekends, um, most of them. So, um, you know, people would be, you know, Hmong people would be traveling on, you know, on those weekends to celebrate. And um, there's this game they would play with a tennis ball and they would just toss it to each other. And it's crazy because it's like, it's not exciting or, or anything, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not not competitive whatsoever. I mean, They're but just, does it, like, if you whoever drops it, it's got to marry the ugly bitch? I mean, <laughs> how does that work, bro? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you just, like, is there, what, what is the, you know what I mean, what is the, the point of it? I, I know there's a there's actually a point to it, and and I believe, so each time you toss the ball, you, you took a step back. Oh, yeah, further, it's like further. a water balloon throw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I know there is a meaning behind that, but um, if I'm being real, I, I, I totally like I was so removed from. Uh, I get you, bro. From that, yeah, uh, it's hard to remember. And and again, I I actually didn't like going among New Year's because um, people would get jumped all the time. Why? There was, um, I mean, the Hmong people they have a big um, they have a big gang community too. Um, so when you know you would go to among New Year. You can be wearing like a regular shirt that has a little bit of red or a little bit of blue and they're looking at you crazy and when they fight you they don't fight fair they come in groups like like huge groups and you you get jumped on the spot you know they they don't care about security none of that they you know sounds like mexicans dog yeah i mean sounds like mexicans dog mexicans don't fight fair either dog I mean, it's power in the numbers, baby. Yeah, we're we're all pretty small too. I'm I'm actually pretty big for a Hmong. Yeah, no, how tall are you, bro? I'm exactly six. Six. Yeah, six. Yeah. 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 Towering over the Hmong people. (laughs) What did they feed you? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people actually think I'm Chinese, and um, especially with my last name Yang, there there's actually uh, a lot of Yangs in the in the Chinese too. So. A lot of people mistake mistake me for for being Chinese. Well, look at Filipino people, bro. I mean, their last names, bro. You know, a lot of you know uh, uh, what what are they? It would probably be like Spaniard yeah. last names, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spaniard last names. Yeah, bro. And but the, you know, for our ignorance, you know, what I mean, or not our ignorance, but you know, when we, the Mexicans, you know, Spaniards, we know the history of that, bro. You know, it's a lot of a lot of Mexicans have Spaniard last names, but we think they're Mexican last yeah. names, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it makes it makes sense, bro. It makes sense, dog, as the evolution of mankind, you know, um, coexisting and so on and so forth, bro. But what what day does the Hmong New Year fall on? Uh, it's usually in the month. It's not a specific day. 
Okay. Uh, but it's uh, it's usually towards the end of November or the the month of November and December. Yeah. They um again it, it's um it happens by the weekends. So um, one city can have uh, a Hmong New Year for like two or three weekends straight. Um, they go hard then, huh? They party hard. Yeah, it's a time for them to all come together. You know, absolutely. No, it's it kind of reminds me of the flea market to be honest. Like kind of like a, you know, they all come, bring their bring their you know their clothes and everything, try sell it. They bring food, a lot of food trucks out there. Uh, they got you know they're doing uh, they play a lot of sports too. You know they got soccer tournaments going on, football tournaments going on. Um, so it's, it's it's pretty pretty active. And so I don't mean to be all over the place, but back to the getting jumped, bro, if you got the wrong color on by the Hmong people. I mean, is there a lot of Crips and Bloods within the, some of these Hmong communities? Yeah, there is. Asian Crip, uh, Hmong, excuse me. I mean, Asian, right? Do yeah, you yeah. identify as Asian? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Asian Crips and Bloods, which, yeah. you know, if you've been in the prison system or if you got YouTube, right, you see that, you know, you know, you know you, streets, right? The streets will, will, will show you that in certain areas. Yeah. Which is which is interesting, you know, but it's kind of like, damn, bro, it's Mong New Year, bro. Chill out. Yeah. I mean, we ain't gangbanging right here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're trying to hook up, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean, we're trying to eat some good food. Yeah, yeah. About to cop those that sweater over there, you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like our, our history is so, it, it hasn't been too long since we, we've been here, right? Since we've been in the United States. So Hmong people, they're, they're always killing each other. And it's like, damn, like, like. I feel like they don't show respect to their elders that just brought them here. They're like, most of them are second generation like me, you know, and um, I feel like they lose a lot of respect from, from their parents by, by getting into gangs and stuff like that. But I mean, at the same time, um, you know, it, the Hmong gang originated from a soccer team, actually, from, from what I know and, and what, what I've heard um, out of Fresno. They, they were a, a soccer team and then they were always getting, uh, they would get picked on. So from from the other races, so they kind of created their own gang, and um, it started with um, the original name was Peace Mod, uh, Peace Mod, and then later transitioned to Mod Menace of Destruction. Menace of Destruction sounds like a fucking band, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a crazy ass name, bro. And so that that is the gang that there's two sides, Crips and Bloods. So. Um, uh, MODs are bloods. Okay. Yeah. So they were the first, um, to my knowledge, at least, they were the first um, gang that came out of uh, out of California, at least, yeah. in, the, in the Hmong community. Right. And um, from there, there was um, there's a story out there that says that there was some sort of conflict in between that group um, that had to do with a girl, and then never fails, doggy. Never yeah. fails. Always around. You know what, dog? Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure it's other things, you know, that happened. But um, from, like I said, from the storytelling that I've I've heard and and from what I've read, uh, it came from it came from a girl, and then from there they kind of split, and then started making their own sets, and then and then from there it just kind of spread like wildfire. So you know what happened to that girl, bro? That started all this beef, right? During the beef, bro, she was crying. She was upset. Dude said, fuck that. I got that. I'm going to get that motherfucker, dog. And then both of these mong dudes, dog, they kill each other, bro. You know what I mean? And you know what happens to the girl, bro? Nothing. Yeah, she moves on to the next dude, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know? And, but the, but that, and I'm not trying to be a dick, but I'm just saying, bro, I mean, the root of a lot of wars within neighborhoods and small communities <laughs> has to do with that. That thing, you know what I mean? That emoji. That what is it? A peach emoji? 
K9, the one you're always posting up on your pictures? The booty one? Oh, is it the booty? That's booty? Is that what that stands for? Yeah. All right. Got the emojis mixed up, dog. <laughs> been putting the wrong one. I've been putting that squash, dog. Eggplant. <laughs> oh, is it an eggplant? <laughs> Fuck me, dog. Put that fresh in one. <laughs> um, and so let's talk about you growing up, bro, and how it was growing up, brother. Yeah. Well, if it's cool with you, before we get into that, I would like to kind of explain um, the, the, a little bit about the war that happened because my dad actually fought in the war. He um, the secret war, the secret war. Okay, yeah. yeah. Thank, um, thank you for taking it back to that, brother. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. So, yeah, the um, at the time this was around like the 1960s. Even it, it's even as early as the 1950s, but communism was spreading throughout that region, and in the 1960s. Uh, the United States was trying to uh, control communism. They were trying to stop, essentially just stop the spread of communism. So um, in 1965, I want to say, is when they uh, officially um, joined the war, the United States. So at the time, the president, he was trying to uh, limit the amount of uh, U.S. troops to, to go there and fight. So instead or or in addition to you know trying to um, build troops over there they recruited the Hmong people to fight their uh, to fight the war uh, with them so my dad was recruited from the CIA to um, to help fight the war the secret intelligence agency wow bro yeah I wonder how you get recruited by that dog like you know yeah, yeah. Did, did you did he share any stories about how that transpired honestly I was I was too I was too young to comprehend um, the stories he would tell. Yeah, hundred percent. But I, as I grew up, I you know uh, I would hear all the stories from my older brothers and sisters and and my fellow Hmong peers and and do my own research too. And um, yeah, bro, it was crazy. Like it's, it's really interesting how the CIA uh, <laughs> fights a lot of their wars, right? Because I'm sure that's not that only secret war. I mean, we hear about all these yeah. wars all the time, AKA conspiracy yeah. theories, bro. But man, the C C C uh, CIA, man, they, they some crafty dudes, bro. And uh, I guess they know what they're doing, huh? Yeah, man. We, um, and what's funny is the Hmong people, we actually kind of have like, a, we kind of actually have like a bittersweet relationship with the United States because, um, so, Obviously, at one point the war ended and, and the U.S. withdrew troops and we, we essentially lost that war, the United States. And honestly, that's I feel like that's one of the main reasons why it's been kind of swept under the rug is because nobody wants to claim defeat, right? Yeah, failed mission. Yeah. And who was the war with? Uh, communists. Uh, communists, okay, you said that too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that that's basically, what is it like, hiring vig vigilantes kind of to fight people within the same community, bro? Like, your secret assassins or something, bro? Like, what the fuck, bro? Yeah. Like, I mean, you, they're not fucking saying, all right, guys, you guys are all in uniform. Like, no, like, you probably plain clothes and you have a you have an, a mission that was put in front of you. Mm -hmm. You know, you were briefed on it probably. Hey, this guy's over here, you know, on Mulberry Lane. Mm -hmm. You know, got to get him out. And that, that So that's, <laughs> bro... So much stuff that we don't know about, bro. Yeah. The, 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 just the, the fine print, the fine detail, what the real truth is. Yeah. And so I can understand why the, the Hmong people, you know, can, would feel like that and saying, hey, you know, we, yeah, okay, it didn't go as planned, but still, mm -hmm. you know, that you 
there was probably people lost behind this war, right? Lives lost. Yeah, a lot of lives lost, and the so we were recruited. So we lived in the in the mountain ranges in the jungle of Laos. So and that's very close to the border. So right next door is Vietnam, right? And so there's Vietnam, Laos, and then Thailand. Okay. So Vietnam was invading southwestward, um, just pretty much trying to claim that whole area of Southeast Asia. So um, the United States, they, they recruited us, and uh, one of our, like I think the three main missions that they set for us to do is to, one, block what's called the uh, Ho Chi Minh Trail. Uh, that's that's a supply route that the Viet, uh, the Vietnam would use the communists would use to you know transport uh, um, weapons and, and, and army and all that stuff. So um, that was mission number one. Mission number two was to uh, save uh, American pilots that were down that were shot down. Uh, so we would go out there and um, you know save them. Now I have a clearer picture. Now now I have. Thank you, brother, for that. Yeah. You know I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. I was initially thinking that maybe we were fighting communism within the United States, Mm -hmm. but actually that makes a whole lot of sense of fighting it out there, you know, during that time. Hello, fucking lucky. Wake your ass up. (laughs) No, I mean, and back, back then it's all about territory. Right. And it's like, like the United States just, you know, they, they were competing with like the, the big dogs like France or like Russia and, and the big countries to maintain areas. Cause those countries are trying to, you know, they have their own agenda too. Right. And trying to claim territory. And it's kind of like how we, we help supply uh, weapons to like Ukraine, for example, it's because we're, you know, we're trying to kind of stop the growth of something that, you know, we don't believe, we don't necessarily believe. You stop the growth of something that could potentially come against us, right? Yeah. Invade our land. You know, if you let these guys go and invade this other country, then they're going to get bigger. Their army's going to get bigger, right? right? I mean, it's it's pretty, it's easy math, right? Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. I mean, it's, it's chess, not checkers, right? Yep. You know? And there's so many of those wars that have been, that have been fought, secret wars and swept under the rug throughout fucking history, bro. Crazy. Which is freaking amazing, bro. And it's, it's it's crazy, brother. You know, so, wow. I mean, where do we go from here, bro? So from there, I mean, we, like I said, uh, we essentially lost that war. So, and I think the main reason is because of the demographic. Like, the United States didn't know how to fight in that landscape because we're at elevation and it was the jungle. You know, yeah. they didn't know how to really navigate. And and one of the other things the Hmong people did was they protected the radars that the, the United States built around the mountain ranges. And the radars were to help the, you know, help, you know, navigate the pilots. Yeah. So, um, and then also at the time, the United States were getting, uh, we were getting a lot of backlash for, you know, for being involved in that war. So there was a lot of pressure on our government too. It's like, what are you doing down there? You know, it's like, you know, withdraw all our troops, essentially. So in 1975, um, communists took over, um, they essentially took over Laos. The, there's a city in Laos called uh, Longcheng, and that was the, the main city where uh, the United States were, um, the United States and the Hmong people were fighting out of. We were based there. So when that was getting overrun, we, um, you know, the United States packed up and left. 
Gotcha. And so you guys were, so the Hmong people in the United States, uh, soldiers were fighting side by side then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And my dad was like, from what I know, my dad was on the front, in the front lines, you know? And um, he actually, growing up, I would, um, he would always have like uh, body aches, right? So we would, um, he would ask us to like massage his back and whatever. And uh, he always had a wound on his, um, on his like back shoulder blade. And I never really knew what it was. And then I started asking my brothers and sisters and then my mom, and she was like, that was, that's a grenade wound, a grenade wound. Uh, you know, one of those uh, shrapnels that fly out of the grenade. Yeah. And uh, my mom says that um, when he was still alive, my, so my dad passed away when I was 11, by the way, but when he was still alive, um, the I guess the, the shrapnel was still in his shoulder blade. They couldn't remove it because if they did, um, I believe it was either internal bleeding he would suffer from or um, his bone would crack. So they're like, just leave it there. Wow. Yeah. So he was literally in the front lines, um, you know, fighting for us. Wow, bro. Yeah. That's one, one, probably one hell of a pops to have, like very interesting dude that has been through some things, right? Oh, man. He, um, he was, the way he would discipline us was hardcore. It was some things I, could, I can't even talk about, like, in today's world, if I share that today. I mean, he's passed away, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just fucking RIP to your pops. I have yeah. utmost respect, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Let him let him take that to the grave, and you're going to take it to the grave, too. But, yeah, I, I can get it, bro. You know what I mean? It, just to be raised in, I mean, and to gone through what he's went through, bro. You know, fighting in the jungles and just, wow, just a experience that a lot of us couldn't even imagine right yeah they they called the there's like a certain term to it but um it went something like gorilla like they they called our unit gorillas yeah because we we knew the area and we knew how to kind of do like a quick mission in a sense like we knew how to get in and out and 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 you know bomb a place or and get out really quick uh they call us uh the gorillas um there's like two other words that go with it but yeah um, it was a uh, pretty guerrilla uh, warfare, baby. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people uh, are a lot of different ethnic groups, and secret wars have all been probably been labeled the same. You know, the same thing, right? Um, and it makes and it makes sense too um, to have native people from those lands navigate, say, if it's American troops or other other forces, right? through these lands, let them take lead, you know? Um, I mean, how did your mom and your pops meet, bro? Um, so they were both born and raised in Laos. And so when the war had um, had come to a close, they, they took refuge. They had to run because um, a lot of the Hmong people, they were out for another genocide because we, because we sided with the United States. Yeah. The Communist uh, Party, they wanted to pretty much... Um, Kill us all. Yeah, well, I mean, especially when the fucking United States pack up their shit and they smash out and they're like, all right. Yeah. And then and that's why there's a little bit of a... Exactly. You know, a little exactly. a little bit of bitterness behind that. You know, you guys, we got your back. Yeah. Shit didn't go as planned. You bounced out and you left us with a fucking war, bro. Yeah. You so, know? Yeah, and that's exactly it, bro. We have that bittersweet feeling because, you know, they supplied... The United States, they, they supplied us with everything, you know, gave us weapons and everything to fight their, you know, 
to fight their agenda, you know? But they, they offered you guys a deal you couldn't refuse at the time. Yeah. I wonder what that deal was. Well, at the time, our, our uh, military leader, General Veng Pao, that's his name, um, from, from what I've heard and what I've read, he, he kind of looked at this as an opportunity to, um, to educate the Hmong people. You know, he kind of used this opportunity to, you know, because they, they would come down, the United States, they would come down and, and give us, you know, education and train us uh, to be, you know, soldiers. So in a way, he kind of looked, uh, looked at that as an opportunity to, to help us grow. Um, and then at the same time, the Hmong people had different beliefs from the Communist Party anyway. So, because there was probably communists amongst the Hmong people as well. Yeah, and some of the Hmong people sided with the communists, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, our our, our military leader, leader, he kind of looked at that as an opportunity. But then, to this day, some Hmong people actually have a bittersweet relationship with uh, feeling for our military leader too, because when they fled, the United States fled, um, only the top-ranking officers in the Hmong. Uh, left with the United States, and then everyone and uh, everyone else stayed behind. My dad included. God damn it! Yeah, I mean, so how <laughs> how does that? Uh, what, what, what was his uh, um, the military the the leader of the of the army gang? Uh, um, General Vang Pao. Vang Pao. I'm sorry. Yeah, Vang Pao. That's an interesting name. Kind of reminds me of a name of a general from the United States. Colin Powell, right? Uh, Vang Powell. That's interesting that he has a uh, Vang Vang Powell. You know, you know how to spell the last name? P P A O. P A O. Okay, that makes sense now. Uh, different spelling, same uh, pronunciation type of shit, right? Thank you, sir. Um, and so then this dude makes the executive decision, bro, to take to take the deal, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day, he saves his own ass. So I, can, I, I it's I guess it's safe to say uh, he goes down in history. It's potentially one of the biggest, you know, what's in the world, maybe. I don't know. Like I said, there's both sides to it. Like, okay. a lot of us honor him. Okay, do you honor him? To, to me, I, I, look, I do. I, I would say, well, honestly, if I'm being real, I'm kind of neutral about it. Because, like I said, I, I see where he was, what he was trying to do. And, yeah. like, help better our, our people. And then... Some people might think like, oh, look where it led to. But at the same time, we didn't follow the beliefs of communists. So either way, they were going to evade and, and try to run us over. So at that point, it's kind of pick a side, right? No, 100%. So I, I, I'm actually neutral about it, and, and um, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually okay with it. Yeah. I mean, at some point in life, we got to just... I mean, we're in 2022 now, right? You know, I mean, b- back in that time, you know, I'm sure if you asked, <laughs> if you asked those people that were going through this certain time, they'd have a more in-depth uh, uh, yeah. opinion about it, Yeah. right? But here we are, you know, 25-year-old juror, uh, just basically, you know, telling stories that you've heard, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, and you know how sometimes those stories get when you pass them on from generation to generation, right? right. right? They get a little twisted up and... Yep. I mean, what, what, what is the strength of the Hmong people? Honestly, it's, it's a good and bad thing. I, I would say our pride. We're very prideful people. And we, um, 
I mean, history tells you, you know, we, we stuck together and we survived this long and we're, we're nomads. And you think about it, thousands of years and, and we're still here. You guys are bad motherfuckers, baby. Yeah. 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 Resilient. Yeah. A resilient race. Yeah. You know? Small but strong. Yeah. Warriors. Yeah. One thing about history, bro. And this is this is a history. I mean, there's somewhat of a history podcast right here, bro. It is, it and is. and and it's it's I I I get sometimes, bro. History channels, bro. I'll fuck. I'll go for the ride, baby. Yeah. You know, and and it's just it's it's, it's inspiring, bro. I mean, because we learn from history, brother. Yeah. We learn, you know. And um, I mean, history defines the future. Yep. You know. I actually very enjoyed uh, history class in in grade school, and I think it's because of our our upbringing and just kind of knowing that there's a lot of history with our people, and yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I think history. You're a lot closer to history class than I am. I'm 45. You're 25. So um, I, I I can remember a little bit of history class, and it seemed like it was just like pilgrims and Indian Indians. Yeah, you know. I mean, I don't know what it is now. I have kids that are, you know, getting closer to that, younger kids, and I have older kids, too, that I missed out on their history classes. Um, fortunately, bad decisions. But I'm sure history can be revised in a lot of different ways, bro, of, of it being taught, right? I mean, should history even be taught in a class, or should it be left up to parents, Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, bro. Maybe we can replace it with, uh, you know, uh, uh, money management. You know, I don't know, bro. You know, finances. We, we, we for sure need that. That's, um, you know, that's, that's something for sure we need in this world. And, and I wish we had in the grade school because nobody teaches you about, like you said, finances or, or credit. Like, who knew about credit coming out of high school? Shit. Like, who knew about a 850 credit score coming out of high school, you know? Um, yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I'm not a big believer in, in our school system, in our education system. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of room for improvements on that. Yeah. There always is everywhere in, in life, you know, um, what are the weaknesses of the Hmong people? Uh, again, man, it's a double-edged sword, our pride. What you said. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, um, you know, sometimes to this day, I feel like it, it gets the best of us sometimes, you know, and, um, um, I feel like our pride puts a, puts a ceiling on our head. It doesn't let us grow, you know? And I, th- and I think that coincides across the board with the all races, right? Pride, I'm this, I'm that. Yeah. I come from, you know, yeah. you know, my, my pops fought in the fucking jungle, the guerrilla warfare, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to, like, it's just uh, pride can sometimes be confused. I mean, can be ignorance, right? Yeah. You know, the detriment to a oneself's pride, right? Yep. You know? Is, is, that shit is really crazy, bro. So how was it for you growing up? Yeah. So it was um, it was a, it was a roller coaster, bro. It was a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and I'm a big wimp when it comes to heights. And every time I get on a roller coaster, I just want to get off that thing, you know. Yeah. And and honestly, that's how life was growing up. I'm a, just, I'm a wimp on heights too, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So getting better. At it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and, and then before we get like get into kind of my story, kind of want to talk a little bit about my dad, if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely, brother. But well, my parents actually, both of them. So, um, 
I actually just learned this recently. I asked my mom, I'm like, hey, mom, from when you had to flee from communism, uh, how long did it take you to get to, uh, to the, uh, what's called the Mekong River? So the Mekong River divided, it was pretty much like the border line of uh, Laos and Thailand. So you had to cross that river to take refuge into Thailand. So, uh, because they had, uh, they had refugee camps going on in there. So that's where all the Hmong people were fleeing that were left behind. And my mom was like, it took around a month to, to get there. And, th and we're talking about on foot. So uh, she was like, yeah, we obviously you couldn't take the main roads because that's where, you know, all the soldiers were and you, you would get killed and you would, you know, go through the jungle. And uh, whenever we did go on foot, we would have to move at night. So that way nobody saw us because in the daytime, obviously, you know, they can see you. So. How big were those would those caravans be of people migrating um, to safety? Right. Yeah. So honestly, I, I don't know, like the quantity of groups. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure it fluctuated from yeah. group to group, right? Yeah, you know. But it's interesting trying to. I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, navigating through the jungles at night, so you're not seen. Yeah, I mean, on foot. Hopefully, yeah. mom had some Nikes on. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, not even Yeezys. <laughs> hopefully, mom had some good walking shoes on. Oh, no, bro. Can no. you imagine, bro? Fucking God damn it, dog. Yeah, I was on. I was actually on a hike uh, a couple of weeks ago with my girl and. Uh, She's all gassed out and tired, and like we went through this little terrain where we kind of lost sight of the sun a little bit because there was a lot of like bushes, and we were. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty tired too. And then the first thing I thought about was my parents. Yeah, I was like, damn, I'm tripping off this less than a mile hike, and my parents were going miles, bro, and like in the dark. And my mom would say too, she's like, yeah, we had to, uh, we had to look out for the tigers because they, they had tigers there. So, like, obviously you can get eaten. So, um, and then obviously over there they got a whole bunch of, you know, poisonous freaking, you know, animals and bugs and stuff. So I was like, so when I was on the hike, I was like, man, this ain't, this ain't nothing. Well, it's probably a psychological thing for your girl too, bro, because she's got some nice comfortable shoes on. She's got a backpack <laughs> with a water thing. She looks over at you, you're barefoot with a banana leaf on your dick. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean, dog? That's what say you're fucking her up, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like what the fuck, this motherfucker? Yeah. Is your feet hurt? You're like mung, yeah. Fucking Mexican. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're pretty similar in that way. We're like you know how the Mexicans they try to you know get smuggled into the the United States. Like same thing with us, bro. Like um, when we got to that river. So keep in mind we were we were uh, mountain people, right? So um, in the mountains there was no like water, so we didn't know how to swim. So to cross that river, you were you either had to get smuggled smuggled across. Um, some Hmong people built try to build their own boats with like bamboo, and then there's a lot of stories where um, those bamboos um, boats fell apart and they drowned and died. Wow. And um, my mom, I actually learned this just this past weekend actually when I went to go visit her. She's like, I asked her, I was like, Mom, like how did you cross the you know the Mekong River? And she was like, there was Thai people waiting there, um, people from Thailand, and they uh, they were nice and they helped us. They they let us get on their boat to cross. And then she was like, when we crossed, they held us at gunpoint, and then they robbed us of all of our belongings. They put us on one side of the boat, and then they t they stripped us of everything, all our bags that we brought. And then she was like, 
uh, yeah, if anybody was wearing like nice jewelry or you know a watch or anything, um, Hmong people they carried a lot of silver bars. That was kind of like their uh, that was kind of like their money. Yeah, their currency. Yeah, their yeah, currency. Yeah. So they would steal that too. They would steal, steal everything, and then once they got everything, they're like, "All right, you know, get off. You're good," you know. And then at the time, we were. I mean, I would imagine my mom and everything were, were just like, "Well, screw it," you know. We made it across. Yeah, damn, bro. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you after this if you wanted to go to this one Thai restaurant down the street after this, bro. <laughs> you probably don't need Thai food after that fucking story, huh? I love Thai food. Oh, okay. I'm just fucking <laughs> shout out to Thai people. Yeah, shout out to Thai people. You know, we we little dry on the humor right here. You know, um, oh, man, the shit people do, man, in 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 those such grueling conditions yeah. of survival even if it go against it goes against everything you maybe believe you know but at the same time when it comes to survival bro that all goes out the freaking yeah. i was gonna say window but back then that would probably go out the down the river down the river down the uh, river down right the down the stream it's all <laughs> down the stream bro you know um, what, what what kind of like you you had talked earlier about harvesting? You guys harvest a lot. What would you what what would your ancestors harvest? What would your you know the Hmong people harvest in these in this these uh, mm-hmm. these lands? So I don't know about our ancestors when they were like in the China area, but in Southeast Asia, just rice fields. And excuse me, my mom, I was like, mom, like what what did you do? And she was like, oh, we just farmed rice. And um, I remember being out on the rice field just working all day. And I was like, did you guys sell it? And then she was like, "No, we we just ate it. We 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 farmed and ate, and that was it. There, we didn't. There was no job, nothing. Like there wasn't. You weren't going out to earn an income. You were just literally surviving. Like just farming your far, eating what you farm, and then that's it. And it was very primitive. Like there wasn't no. It wasn't no glass window. You know, it was all like just wood that they built houses. Because like I said, we're up in the mountains. We we're just we we're like a village. So." Yeah, they just pretty much ate what they what they farmed, and that was life. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, did she ever talk about any animals in that terrain that were, you know, like you know, right meat? Uh, um, that they would they would you know hunt. We we actually didn't actually we ate a lot of uh, greens to be honest. Yeah. Um, a lot of vegetables, rice, and then um, there. I mean, I'm sure they ate meat. We Hmong people, they love pork, so I'm sure they had you know pigs there and cows. Um, my dad, he was actually um, my dad was actually pretty wealthy back in Laos. He was um, he was a butcher, okay. so he he would you yes. know you know kill animals and you know that was his that was pretty much his business what he was doing. And then so my dad had money. And that's how he got across the Mekong River is he actually had money and then he paid the smugglers to, to you know, to get them across. And, uh, man, my dad has a big heart. Like, he, he took care of his whole his whole family, like his, his cousins, his brothers. Um, he was the one that had money. Uh, you know, his relatives, um, they were poor, and then he helped everyone, you know, cross the river. And so he was the heart and the brains of the of the family. Essentially, yeah. Essentially. And so when we talk about getting across the river from Laos, you, you know, get your, 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 uh, your family get to Laos. Um, he's got a good profession as a butcher. He makes money. 
and now it's time to get to the U.S. Yeah. And so to get to the U.S., you know, good thing he had money. And so he paid smugglers to smuggle his family, his immediate family. To, to Thailand, yeah. To and Thailand. Some stayed and then some some left. And this is where you talked about when they, at the end of the, they get on the boat and then they, they would rob. Yeah, yep. Okay. So he would pay those, those exact smugglers. Okay, and so yeah. then you get to Thailand mm-hmm. and then, you know, you start a whole new life in Thailand. Yeah, so some people settled there. A lot of Hmong people settled there. And honestly, about, I mean, I don't know the true statistic, but I would say about 90% of the, the Hmong population in the world still resides in Southeast Asia. And there's only like a small fraction of us here in the United States. And that's because Hmong people, they, again, they had too much pride. They didn't, they didn't want to leave their homeland. You know, they, they wanted to stay there. And then a lot of them settled in, in areas there. And then they have refugee camps in, in Thailand. Uh, and then from there, a lot of Hmong people were kind of shipped around the world. Like I know some people went, some Hmong people were, uh, were sent to, um, to France, some were sent to Australia, uh, and then and then the United States as well, and then so yeah, my parents were there in the refugee camps in Thailand, and then and then they finally took refugee and came here to um, to the United States, and my my mom she took refuge in uh, to Washington, Spokane, Washington, okay, and then my dad um, he was shipped out to um, to Santa Barbara, yeah, Santa Barbara, California, and. Yeah, and then from there, you know, just um, my my dad had a wife already, so this was not my mom. She, my dad was already married, uh, like had a had a wife. So, um, but the thing is, she couldn't conceive. So, in our culture, if you can't conceive, you get another wife. Yeah, uh, you get you you get another wife who can conceive because the mom culture is. We're all about survival, right? I'm so, sorry, do, you, do you gotta keep the other one though? <laughs> you, keep both? You, you keep both, yeah. And honestly, like I just found this out not too long ago, and it was a trip. Now, you're, now you're speaking canines language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know it's um his eyes brightened up right now. He's like, <laughs> got a question, dog? You get to keep both, right? <laughs> yeah, my boy canine. So the monk people were all were all about survival, right? So hold on, real quick, bro. Your mother couldn't conceive. How are you conceived? No, no, no. Um, so my, my dad's first wife wasn't my mom. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then until she, um, until my dad got the second. Uh, you know, and that, mom, that's, and that's, that's your mom. mom. Got you. Yeah, got yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. Now I understand that. Yeah. So in the mom culture, we were, we're all about survival, right? So she, um, the, it was tradition that um, you would just have a bunch of babies. The, the the woman the the female will just have a lot of babies and the the male would go out and work and I'm sure that's pretty similar to a lot of uh, you know cultures and yeah the homie right here's got five kids <laughs> over there dog yeah so back to back wait wait till you hear um how many siblings I got bro wow okay <laughs> yeah but uh, we we wanted to populate as much as we can so that way we have farm workers. So we can survive and have workers to survive, and then it was also about building our clan too. Because Hmong people, we we have um, different clans. Like me, my last name is Yang, so I'm part of the Yang clan. And then there's other uh, clans in the Hmong too, like you know the Tao, the Li, the Vang. Uh, so they're they they're their own separate clan too. And um, but yeah, the the tradition was uh, have a lot of babies, and um, in total. 
I have nine sisters and five brothers. God damn it. A regular Mexican family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your fucking dad's a machine. Your dad was a machine, dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your dad didn't stop. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. You could be having a conversation with your pops and he's still thrusting. <laughs> God damn it. That boy was an animal, dog. And so was that with your mom or was that with multiple wives? So two of my sisters, the oldest, they're my half sister. Okay. Um, one sister was uh, from from my dad's side, from the other wife, and then the uh, the other uh, half sister is from my mom's side, because my mom had kids too before she met my dad. Gotcha. She she had a son and and, and a daughter, and then and then my step my um, half brother is, is her first son. So I think you guys might be the uh, the original originators of side pieces. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> fucking ruining this history fucking lesson right here. Um, that's that's wow, bro. That's a, so. Are you in contact with all your siblings? Yeah, I am. Um, we we've actually grown over the years to you know to to keep a bond because because our dad passed away. But it's cool. Yeah, we we have a you know we have a family chat. You know, we're always texting each other every day. You know, just um, just kind of bullshitting. That's a big ass chat, bro. Yeah, it's huge. That, that, you know what, bro? If I was a part of your family, I would I would always disappear around Christmas, dog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I just can't afford it, doggy. Yeah. I mean, I love you guys, but you know. Oh man, there I'm, I'm sending out everybody emojis for Christmas presents. <laughs> Our Christmas was getting free stuff from the county or from the schools, bro. Like, was that growing up like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, and then we'll kind of jump into that. Like we, so my, my mom, I mean, my dad met my mom. Um, he, he went up North to Washington to marry her and then brought her down to, uh, to Santa Barbara. And then from Santa Barbara, they moved to Merced, Merced, California. Gotcha. And then from there we jumped to, uh, Modesto, California. And then Modesto is where we pretty much put our roots down. And most of us were born there. Uh, I was born there. And, you know, having such a big family, we were we were dirt poor, bro. Like, we were living, like, super poor. What is, dirt, what is dirt poor? Like, on welfare, cockroaches running everywhere inside your house, you know, rats, mouse, and, um, you know, barely any food. Wow. Um, we how many at this point in time how many uh siblings are underneath the same roof so at one point most of us was actually in the same roof bro believe it or not and we were living in a two-bedroom at the time and i think at that time when even when when i was born and, and i remember this is so i believe the only people that was out the house was my my half siblings all my half siblings were out the house and they were kind of, you know, already married or out doing their thing. And then the rest of us were living in a two-bedroom house, two-bedroom, one-bath house. And I remember in the living room floor, we would sleep shoulder to shoulder, like next to each other, you know, because there wasn't enough room for everybody. And one of the rooms that we, um, you know, one of the bedrooms, it was a pretty big room. So uh, we actually fit three beds in there and we lined them, we lined them up together. And that's where kind of all, all the all the boys, um, you know, slept. That's where that's where I slept. Um, and then we also, you know, there was also the living room floor too. Wow, bro. I mean that 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 right there, raised in that type of environment, bro. 
can really, uh, you know, just make a different type of person than the average human being that didn't have to grow up under no, those type of conditions, you know. Um, very appreciative to probably what you have now. Oh, yeah. Looking back, I mean, what was your thought process back then living like that? I mean, why were you living like that? I mean, a lot of us can make a probably a good educated guess on why, right? You know, yeah. new to the, new to the, new to the country, uh, you know. I mean, what was your pops doing in Modesto? Yeah. Or your mom, what were they what were they doing? What were their professions? They they actually didn't work because uh, my mom was conceiving back to back years, bro. And a lot of my siblings were like a year or two years apart only. Yeah. And so she was doing that and then um, my dad had health issues, so he he was disabled. So we we were living off welfare, yeah. you know, food stamps, and um, you know, we there was a lot of there was a lot of like betrayal, hatred, and and resentment, um, yeah, that that we grew up with, and my dad too, you know, and for uh, resentment towards, um, I have to be limited on this part, but um, just just the people around us, you know, we, we were, you know, my dad was uneducated, you know, he didn't speak a lick of English. He, he could, he couldn't even speak one word, you know? And so he didn't even know how to drive, none of that, you know? And then even getting on welfare, that was a challenge, you know? Um, Undocumented, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there was this, like this, this story that my brother always tells me, um, Someone once told my dad, he was trying to, he was trying to learn how to drive. And someone once told him, Hey, you see those, um, those horses in front of the grocery store, go put a quarter in those. And that's how you learn to drive. That's cold. Yeah, bro. So like, it's cold, bro. Yeah. So, and that's why I say there's a lot of like, you know, hatred and betrayal because, you know, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of help around us and. And I saw that growing up too. I saw, I felt like when we were, when we were down, we were, you don't kick somebody when you're down, when they're down, right? And that's what was happening to us, you know, like pretty much our whole life until, not even until recently where, you know, everything, you know, we're all educated now. We, you know, um, most of my sisters got, you know, degrees at prestigious schools and like, you know, we, I feel like we can say that my, my, you know, my family made it out, you know, but until we got to that point, we were, you know, we were just stepped on, you know, and as a kid, I saw that, you know, uh, you know, I was little and I, and I can see everything. And, and that's why, I mean, growing up, that's why I develop a lot of hatred and resentment and vengeance and towards the system towards the systems, towards certain individuals, towards certain groups, everything, you know, like the odds were, the odds were literally against us, you know? And, um, yeah, like I said, whenever there was a hard time, when, you know, it's like that saying, when it, when it rains, it pours, you know? I mean, do you think, do you think it would have been better if, if your, if your pops, your family would have stayed in, in what is it, Laos or Thailand? Um, I don't think so. Okay, so it was he made the he made the right decision to get out here, even though there was a lot of mm-hmm. opposition, right? 
There was yeah. a, there was a lot of freaking barriers. Yeah. There was a, a lot of shit that, you know, young babies, young kids should never have to experience this. But this is this is life, and this is the world, and there's a balance in the system, and there's a food chain, and and <laughs> there's the haves and have nots, and yeah, you know. But at the end of the day, when you're put through those <laughs> those challenges in life, bro, you know. There's got to be a point in time where you take life in your own hands, which you did, and 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 you don't ever forget about that because that's going to be forever the fire underneath you yeah. to move you forward. So obviously, the the system is flawed, right? We yep. know this. Yep. People are flawed. We yep. know this, but there there, there was a way. Mm-hmm. There was a way. Yeah, you know, for your sis, your siblings, your sisters yourself i mean to obtain degrees right yeah you know even if it was funded by the system yeah you know it, it it's it's fucked up it's flawed but there's still a little bit of wiggle room yeah to get about that situation yeah which you, which your family has done yeah and um to be honest that's all props to my to my pops you know like he the way he raised us like i said he he would discipline us like no other way man like very old school, you know. Beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like bad. Yeah. You know, and, um, but my dad is the epitome of tough love, you know. Like he, if if there's something to describe tough love, it's what my dad had for us, and, um, and again, that's one thing I appreciate about the Hmong and my dad is like he had that pride to survive, he had that will to to survive, and, um, you know, growing up. I actually didn't have a good relationship with my dad, actually. So yeah, I, I, I hated my dad. I would cuss him out. I would run away. Was he an alcoholic? No. No, no, no substances. No substances. He was just, I, I really think he, he just had a lot of, um, like. He had a lot of pain in his heart, bro. Yeah. He'd been through some shit, bro. I think he was just dealing with a lot of anxiety, depression. He needed therapy. He needed medication, bro. He yeah. had a, he needed a lot of fucking things, bro, that, that wasn't being provided towards him. And especially when you got a traditional dude, yeah. a traditional man, excuse me for calling him a dude, a traditional man, bro, that is so prideful, uh, brought up in the, fuck, talk about old school ways, bro, harvesting and having to fucking <laughs> get smuggled from river to river to fucking, yeah. you know, bro, like... That builds a callus yeah. around your motherfucking soul, bro. If you, you know, emotional support, emotional intelligence. I mean, it, shit is shit is huge, bro. You like, and man, your pops, your pops probably could have used somebody, you know. Yeah, it's that's exactly how it is, and I didn't see it that way when I was little, right? So, he was, we we don't see it as kids, bro, and yeah. it's not your fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, and we can blame it on your pops. We can, you like, everybody can point a finger, bro. But at the end of the day, dog, um, you know, maybe the CIA should have took care of him, bro. You know what I mean? Maybe the United States said, hey, that was one of those dudes that fought that secret war. We put him through some shit. Facts. You know? Let's 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 make sure we take care of this man, that man, that man that was fighting along the side American troops for the secret war, the benefit of the United States. Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, that's kind of, like I said. But we do that to our own people, bro. Yeah. Our own soldiers, bro. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are suffering. I don't mean to cut you off, no, bro, you but did. just speaking on that, bro. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of our soldiers, bro, that go fight these wars for us. 
secret wars, agendas, all for the benefit of the United States, supposedly the people of the United States, right? Whatever. I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, there's a reason why they they you know they cut the United States the most powerful country because they gotta they gotta make these make these moves, bro. It's a dirty game, y'all, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, right. and it, you know, and uh, unfortunately, your pops was a pond mm-hmm. in the big scheme of that time, and and he suffered from it, bro. And then he, you know, eventually took it out on his fucking kids, bro. Yeah, bro. You know, like, hey, bro, like you beating the fuck out of me. I just, you know, I just. No, I, 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 I dropped my plate, you know, food, you know. That's exactly how it is. Like, we were we were all walking on eggshells, bro. Like, if we were, like, just a tiny bit loud, yelling at us, beating, you know, chasing us, you know. Like, everything had to be to a T to him, to his standard, you know. And to be honest, I, when I think about it, I think he just really wanted peace. Like, just some quietness, you know. And, like, imagine having this big of a family and trying to raise them and, and keep in mind, we're all being like, we're all just kids. Right. So we're rowdy as hell. And yeah, I, I for sure know I was, you know, like I remember just cussing them out, running and doing whatever, whatever the hell I wanted. Yeah. And so, you know, he was all kind of fucked up. So you would just be like, man, fuck you bitch. And fucking spin around across the room, dodge yeah. him. You know what yeah. I mean? I'll just, you know, adding fuel to the flame, you know, and kind of what you were saying, um, with, with you know providing us something because we we fought you know in the war it's crazy because if you think about it if you play out the scenario let's say let's say a monk soldier one of our main missions were to uh save um the pilots american pilots yes say he goes saves them yeah. and they both come to the united states yeah. and he's all you know they're both beat up but the American gets full veteran benefit benefits. So somebody in the comments had mentioned that the biggest mistake that Americans did was mm-hmm. was leave the Hmong people hanging during the war. Like, yeah, and that's where they fucked. So up. there's yeah. people that are educated about this war in yeah. the comment section. Yeah, that's no, dope, no, bro. The, the, all Hmong people will know this, yeah. and and we that's where we like Hmong people. We we kind of. We we want we want a little bit of shine, right? We want a little bit recognition. of recognition, right? Hundred percent. But at the same time, we're really prideful people and secretive people, so we're kind of, you know, we're just hush hush, you know, at the same time. So, um, but yeah, that's crazy. Like you're you're telling me if he saved him to to get back home, and he gets veteran benefits, but the guy that just saved him doesn't get you know benefits, and they were on the front lines, like. To me, that's pretty crazy. You know, at the end of the day, dog, it comes back to fucking uh, uh, General uh, Yang Pao. What is it, Yang Pao? Vang Pao. Vang Pao, right? Negotiations. Yeah. Right? The fine print. Yeah. You know, there's always fine print, right? There's probably no fine print back then. It was probably just a handshake and a word, right? Yeah, bro. When when Vang Pao died, um, we he was looking to get buried at like... Um, like some sort of military cemetery um, in Texas where like, you know, where they have like honorable leaders. 100%, yeah. And um, the United States declined it. They didn't, they they were like, no, like you're not gonna get buried here. You know, so a lot of things like- There goes more resentment built up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just a lot of little things like that, you know, and it's, um, and it wasn't until my dad died where I remember 
you know, service members, they came and, you know, they, they shoot the gun, um, you know, in the air uh, whenever, you know, veterans die. That's the only recognition we ever got. Oh, so they did do that? They, they did that. Wow. But that was the only... So thing. he was documented as being a soldier in that secret war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fucking yeah. interesting, bro. Yeah. So the, the U.S. military, when he passed, they showed up in uniform to shoot the guns. Yeah. <sighs> God yeah. damn it, bro. I, re- I remember seeing that as a kid, you know, just... I would wonder that too. I'd like, you know, they would hold the rifle up, shoot, reload, shoot, and then, you know, they they had the American flag on his casket, you know, just like they do with you know U.S. soldiers, and we folded that into you know a triangle, and then we we cased that, and that's always in our house, you know, it's just kind of a symbol there, like you know this is what our dad did for us. You know, dog. There's a lot of there's a lot of lost heroes in this country there's another word i'm trying to look for but i'll just use the word lost bro like that aren't celebrated unsung 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 heroes heroes. thank you brother unsung heroes thank you preston there's a lot of unsung heroes bro but obviously you know there's reasons behind this bro you know secret war lost the war yeah right you know what if he'd have won the war yeah you know, what if they would have won the war, bro? Yeah. Maybe the outcome, the benefits, mm-hmm. the burial plans, mm-hmm. the celebrations, what's written in the history books. Yep. Right? We would have seen it in the history books. You'd have never seen it. it. Never saw it. I mean, I mean, think about life, bro. Think about basketball, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, what's celebrated? Not lost games. Yeah. You know? And even if they were hard fought games yeah. from the opponent, bro. They fucking, and then they, they, you know, Lakers beat them by one point. Yeah. Right? That's all that matters. The Lakers. Doesn't matter how hard you fought, almost got it, but you didn't get it. Yep. You know? So you go down in history, forgotten, mm-hmm. and with that L for the ones that do remember. Yeah. You know, it's. I think it's just, uh, it's just the way the world spins, baby. You know what I mean? It's just life, dog. Yeah. It's life. And that, but what we do right here, though, bro, at Hoodstocks mm-hmm. is, is a little different, dog. Yeah. You know, we, we, we celebrate losses because with losses come lessons, bro. Facts. So with your father's loss and your people's loss, bro, mm-hmm. that comes lessons, bro. Yeah. Check it out, bro. When my neighborhood got gentrified, bro, mm-hmm. you know, bro, you know whose fault that was, bro? It wasn't the gentrifier's fault. Mm-hmm. It was, the people in my neighborhood's fault for not digging their roots deep enough in the fucking, in the soil, bro. Yeah. And being renters, bro, mm-hmm. instead of owners, bro. Because the owners all of a sudden had a lottery ticket in my neighborhood. Their house went from fucking $300,000 to fucking now down million dollars, bro. Yep. Right. You know what I mean? You know? Mm-hmm. So life is about lessons. So back to history. History is the lesson of what not to do or what to do. Right. You know? And obviously, you guys have learned from that. Your, your siblings, yourself, have learned from that. What are you doing now, brother? Yeah. Um, so I'm not. I mean, I'm just a regular person. I'm just a regular dude, man. And it's all. Well, you work I, at Starbucks. It's all good, dog. I do credit repair. Oh, so. damn, dog! Why all the Asian brothers know how to fix your credit? <laughs> I mean, I mean, so man. I I help people fix their credit that are trying to mainly people that are trying to you know buy a house, buy house uh, get home ownership. 
um, you know, help them fix their credit, educate them a little bit, and then send them on their way. You know what, dog? An, an, an Armenian will steal the credit, and then the Asian will fix the credit, dog. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to clip that right now and crucify me over that shit, dog. You know what I mean? God damn it, dog. No, that's dope, bro. That's okay, dope. And that's that's important. What's that, dog? It's okay, Ape. Yeah, it's all good to all my Apes out there, doggy. <laughs> Need one of you guys on. Stop playing. Highlight your boy. Um, just being a regular dude, like you could have really turned out. Did any of your brothers and sisters like turn out to be just like some crazy ass fools from just fucking pops? You know, like ended up in the prison system. Like ended up in. Because you look like a fucking, like, bro, you wouldn't even know, bro, that you, once upon a time ago, bro, were sleeping in a freaking two-bedroom, lined up, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Like, bro, you look like you, you right now, what's in front of me, dog, like a good kid, dog. Yeah. You know, and you can never judge somebody by a book by its cover, yeah. right? And, and and say, oh, he's good. He looked like he was raised, right? But little right. do they know. Yeah. I get that all the time, like, especially when I went out to college. A lot of people thought I was pretty well off, and, like, I... I think it's just the, like the way I carried myself and, and the way I dressed and and they they thought I was you know one of those rich Asian kids you know but um, but yeah bro like um, to, to to answer your question um, thankfully my family didn't turn out to to be one of those crazy ones and, and they almost did actually and um, and again I'm gonna reference this probably over and over but uh, when my dad passed away I think that honestly. That was the biggest um, point, and I believe in my family's life that that led us to where we're at today. Because had he not passed away, I think we would have been ripped apart. Um, my my brothers, they they were doing you know things they shouldn't be doing, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd. Um, my my brother um, at one point did get uh, did go into prison, but he just did a small change. Um, but you know we we were we were on that path we were on that path of destruction bro you know where if my dad didn't pass away i probably you know i probably wouldn't be talking to most of my brothers and sisters right now wow yeah because he was like a you know just what he's been, he was through he was kind of like cancer to the family so my dad he um he was our leader and that's how it is in every you know Hmong family the the male the the dad is looked at as the leader you know and my dad kept us in line you know even though he was like a bitter and 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 mean guy he um you know he took care of all the chores he he delegated all the chores to everyone um i remember my sisters man i got so much love to to all my sisters because without them bro like we we wouldn't be here but my dad would make all the sisters um do the chores and that's kind of how it was in the Hmong community. The you know the the uh, the girls would do all the cooking, do all the cleaning, um, you know, taking care of the kids, all of that. And I remember there was specific days where, you know, my sisters were rotating days on doing dishes or going to do laundry, and my dad regulated all of that, you know, and he made sure everyone was on point. But like in like in a almost kind of like in a militant way, you know, where he was super strict on us, you know? And everyone in my family has a bitter experience with my dad because of how he was, you know? Um, but when he passed away, we, we lost all of that structure that he built, you know? He, 
he built structure within us. And then when he passed away, we were just kind of all over the place. We, we didn't even know how to, we didn't even know what to do, you know? But you said if he didn't pass away, you guys could have potentially gone off the deep end, right? Yeah. A destructive path. And that's because we would, we would have ran away. Like, got you. Like we would have, we nobody wanted to be home. Yeah, that was me. That was that was most of my brothers. They would be out, you know, you know, um, gang banging or or you know out with their friends or um, just never home. Yeah, you know, like my oldest brother, my half brother, he 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 had like a a really bad relationship with my dad, and he was. I believe it was like around the age 13, he left home and he was like in and out of like, I don't know if it was like foster care, but like um, some sort of government or county program where he was just living there. And he would, there, there's only like one or two times I ever remember my half brother, my oldest half brother being home. Like aside from that, I've, I've never, I've never really seen him ever uh, as a kid. Yeah, and like I said- He's it, trying to escape that environment. Yeah, so because we were and all of us we were scared of our dad. That's why we didn't want to, we didn't want to be home. We didn't want to get whooped. We didn't want to get disciplined. We didn't want to, you know, do chores, none of that. I mean, what was your mom's position in this when he's doing this? What what is your mom? I know she's she's birthing babies back to back. I mean, she's busy caring for her kids, but I mean, in the mom community, mm-hmm. you said the man is the leader, yeah. but does does the does the woman, the significant other have any pull? In, in, in the structure or the, 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 the direction that the family goes or, or the, you know, the, the, you know, when you're getting in trouble, hey, not, it, leave that dude alone. He's good. He's just a kid. He's five years old. You know, let him be. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes my mom would look after us and, and but most of the time she just had to tolerate it tolerated, if I'm being honest. But there were times where it like enough was enough, you know, and there was actually a time where when I was a baby, she took me and one of my other sisters and then she she left back to Washington uh, to, I wouldn't say visit, but um, yeah, things were getting bad and she left. She she just wasn't dealing with it. And then obviously eventually came back, but yeah, my mom would. When she uh, left, she left the kids with pops? Yeah, but she took me and my sister with, with uh, my mom took me and one of my sisters with her. Why did she take you and just one of the sisters? Were you the youngest or were you the, just the, the favorite? Honestly, I think it's because um, we were more disciplined from our dad. Like, uh, I think we were the more disciplined, if I'm being honest. The better kids, the more. Uh, no, no, no. Not so, the better kids, but the more. Like, you said discipline, so that, you know. So we, we were the more, like, beat ones, like me and my sister. Uh, yeah. I so, got you. So my, my mom took us. Yeah. That's what I believe, and I mean, obviously, I don't know if my mom really, you know, she didn't never told me, but I believe that's the reason why, because my my sister that left, she had similar experiences, too, and um, yeah, so, I, you know, my mom would look out for us like that. Why were you, the, why were you more disciplined than other your other uh, siblings? Honestly, I don't, I don't know what it was with me. I was just a... Rambunctious kid. Bro, I was a, I was a menace, just running all over the place. Like I just 
wanted all the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> you need some of that ADHD yeah. medicine, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember there was a time where my You need dad a little smoke blown in your face. <laughs> Calm your ass down. Yeah, I was always just, yeah, I was a rowdy one. Yeah. And so growing up with that many kids, I know we're kind of bouncing all over the place, bro. Um, sometimes it's a structureless podcast and we're just, we conversating. But when you're living with that many kids and now you're in the United States, the richest country in the world, right? One of the richest countries in the world, mm -hmm. living in Modesto, two bedroom house, one fucking bathroom. I mean, we got to talk about that bathroom in a minute, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, what? Do, how do you... How do you eat? Is there a chow line? I mean, does everybody got a tray and walk through a line and get a little, you know, I mean, what, what are we eating, bro, during yeah. this time? I mean, you're on welfare, so you got, you know, you got the food stamps, yeah, baby, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? You got some Twinkies in the, in the, in the shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? You got some, you know, you got some goodies, baby, you know what I mean? You know, you, you ever go into a, you ever go into a house and it is packed with food, dog? You yep. know that guy at EBT, baby, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. You know, because I think rich people don't even keep food like that, bro. Yeah. I don't even think they pack their house, even though, some they might have like pantries you can walk in and some you know uh uh certain items they got right there that, that they need to have but uh, Man, storage storage is with fucking food that would probably last them forever so. well you know no no that's good you brought that up canine because probably in like certain in certain landscapes countries backwoods type of places where they do a lot of hunting mm -hmm. yeah they got fucking you mm -hmm. know they they got meat yeah. you know in big freezers and stuff, bro, you know, that they, that's gonna last them, right? If we're in Alaska or some shit like that, or, yeah. you know, just the, those type of, uh, those those type of terrains, you know, not the city life, right? Yeah. But anyways, back to what I was asking you, brother. What was what was on the what was on the menu? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, bro, what are we eating, brother, yeah. during these times? Do you remember? Yeah, so we, you know, we would grocery shop, we were on ABT, you know, but we would just buy, you know, essential things. We, we never really had, you know, the good stuff, you know, the thing that the kid always wanted, going to the grocery store, yeah. getting this item. It was never like that, you know. It was, you know, my, my dad would pick out all the stuff and... and Damn, so he, he would he do the shopping or would he send the list with mom to do the shopping of what he wanted her to get? No, him and the sisters would do the shopping. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes he would send the sister to go, uh, the older sisters. And um, like I said, uh, I give a lot of props to my older sisters because they were doing they they were like doing all of the, all of the work in the household the, the household work yeah know? they were they were they were the foundation they were the yeah. backbone of the system bro yeah yeah so we would eat that but um one thing I, I wanted to bring up was um my dad raised chickens growing up he that was his hobby and one of our favorite meals my favorite meal and every every Hmong person's favorite meal is kill chicken kill chicken yeah so just we would kill them in the back and literally slit its throat, you know, and, you know, pluck it and everything and, and cook it. You know, we, we would boil it with, um, with greens. And we did that for a lot of things. You know, when we buy the pork at, at the grocery store, we just boil it with, um, uh, with greens. And then um, in terms of eating, so I recently spoke to my oldest, uh, or no, I'm sorry, the second oldest half-sister. And she would tell me, she was like, yeah, um, growing up, Obviously, we didn't have enough, you know, spoons, forks, and plates for everyone. So, um, my sister said that my parents allowed the younger ones to eat first, and then she would always get the, you know, the crumbs, basically, you know. Your sister. 
my my oldest sister. Your oldest sister, the backbone to the to the system, the one doing the shopping, the one doing the cleaning, the cooking. Well, so so this sister, she she actually married at I believe she married at the age of thirteen. So I actually wow yeah got to get the fuck out. So I I actually never really grew up with that sister, but it was the one below her that did a lot of like the you know. Um, you know the household things, and and so when it came, that's interesting, bro. The the, 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 the the dynamics of like just the way that that moves, and I and I, it's probably similar to a lot of different ethnic backgrounds that were that were raised in in in, in, in you know different ethnicities, but similar situation, right? Yeah, you, you know. But did pops eat first? I mean, did he have the biggest plate on the table? I mean, honestly, I, I don't really remember because like. That, that's one thing about me that, that, like, I don't know if it was because of the, like, the trauma and everything, but it's Black very, shit out. Black shit out. Yeah, it's very hard to remember my childhood. And the, the things that I do remember, they were just, most of them were just really bad stuff. And then like, a little bit of good, but other than that, my I feel like my childhood was a blur, bro. Like, wow. I, I didn't enjoy it one bit. I feel like that about mine to a certain extent as well. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, uh first language was obviously Hmong, right? Mm-hmm. Second language was Chinese, I mean English. Um, how good was your English at what age? To be honest, I, I picked up English better than Hmong. And okay. my Hmong is terrible. Okay. I, my Hmong is, I, I like to call it Monglish. Hmong <laughs> <laughs> and English. Yeah. Monglish. It's, um, well, it's, it's because of part of how I was raised, you know, like I, so like I said earlier, the, the Hmong community moved out of Modesto, and then we moved to the opposite side of town, where we were. We moved to probably the dirtiest, dirtiest area of, of of our city, thinking that we were moving to a better place, and then it was predominantly populated by by Mexicans. Okay. Yeah, and um, and then this was in the middle of first grade for me, so all the Hmong people didn't grow up with them anymore. At that point, I grew up with with Mexican. Mexicans. Yeah. And, and how how was it? I mean, we, we you know, I talked to John and other Asian Asian brothers um, that um, that were raised with Mexicans. I mean, did, did you did you have to deal with, you know, kind of like the you know the stereotypical kid shit that kids do to each other? Yeah. You know, or, or were you accepted? Honestly, it was a it was a love and hate relationship. I had a bunch of cool uh, cool homies, a bunch of cool Mexican yeah. cats. Yeah. But there was a flip side of that too. You know, there was I, I was actually picked on a lot from from Mexicans and yeah, and I used to fight all the time in elementary school and you know playing body shots in the bathroom and you know yeah. fighting on the you know on the in the playground like almost every day, every day, almost every day. And and um, it's funny I so I kind of wanted to ask you this. I don't know if you would know, but. You know how you, earlier you said there was um, Chinese people that immigrated to Mexico. Yeah, there's this um, like this phrase or song they would sing to me when I was younger. And Canine probably knows it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably the one singing it, motherfucker. But yeah, they would sing that to me, bro, in, in elementary school. And I knew, like, I never really knew. Was what it, it was, was it was it me Chinese? Me play joke? No, no, me no. go pee pee in your. Was it Spanish? It wasn't oh, Spanish. It was in Spanish. So, so it went Chino, Chino, Japanese, uh, yeah. Come Caca, No Me Dias. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I knew. I just. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. So. And I didn't know, like, until recently that that was, like, a common thing that went around, like, that spread, like, wildfire, too. And I don't know if it's from that, like, you know, where, you know, there was Chinese people that immigrated, you know, to Mexico. Like, I, I don't know the root of that, it's but oh, yeah. it's, yeah. So. I mean, my ignorance is really deep, bro, but my knowledge on that right there isn't, dog. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you don't get, I was one of those kids, dog, that, you know, I mean, I was getting shit talked to, dog, so I was talking shit, too. Yeah, yeah. Excuse the shit that I said a minute ago, brother. You know what I mean? Um, but but that's just kids, right? Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's the ignorance of freaking kids, bro. Yeah. And that that's why us as parents and moving forward and coming from backgrounds like you've come from, backgrounds like I've came from, and probably everybody else in this room right here and a lot of people that are on the on the, on the live right now. Yeah. Um, you know, it, we have a responsibility, bro. Yeah. We have a responsibility, bro, to teach our kids freaking better, bro. Yeah. Teach our sure. kids better, bro, you know, and to treat people with fucking respect, bro. And, and you know, yeah, I know it's sensitive times. I mean, respect to a certain point, not all fucking sensitive because we're still going to make fun of each other. Yeah. You know, that's a part of life, bro. Yeah. Whoever don't look at you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You make fun of, bro. If, yeah. if, 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 if you've got that relationship or, if you know, they cut you off or something, you're going to talk some shit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just natural. We all got that little bit of that in us. Is that safe to say? Yeah, no, it for sure is because I was the same way. You know, I would retaliate and say shit back, you know? Fuck yeah. Like, you fucking wet back? <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So Your like, breath smells like beans. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So in elementary school, it was just me and um, it was me and this other kid that were the only Asian kids. And then I would say 90% of everyone else, Mexican, and then like a very small percentage of white. And then just me and this other Asian kid. And he was a Laos homie, Laotian. Shout out Brandon, Brandon Sudasau. But um, yeah, me and him, I remember almost every day in the playground, we would back each other up, bro. And we would, yeah, we had to because yeah. we would get jumped or we, we just had to stand our ground and we would, I remember we'd be chasing them, they'd be chasing us and it was, it was, it was a trip. I mean, would you, would you, would you would have had it another way? I mean, of course you would, right? In a perfect world, right? Honestly, but, but at the end of the day, bro, does that like... Honestly, I, I are those experiences good or bad? At, as a child, yeah, are they good or bad? Are are they are they lessons and they build you into the man that you are now? Right. I mean, those are the things that are going to make you or break you. You know, and, and they probably broke a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. But the strong ones, it's going to teach them. Yeah. So I felt like you know going home, and then having the family that I have, and then raised the way I was, and then going to school. Like that, it was it was a roller coaster. It's yeah. like I was a kid, bro. Like I didn't even know how to handle it. If I'm being honest, like how do I go home to immigrant parents and who don't speak a lick of, lick of English, and then I got a bunch of brothers and sisters, and then I'm going to school and I'm getting you know picked on and and being bullied and and, and I felt like my whole life I would just have my back against the wall and I was just always fighting. Like I had to fight back. You know how you do it, dog. You got fucking nine brothers, 18 sisters, bro. You create your own gang, homie. You know what I mean? And you move in a pack, bro. You know what I mean? And you fuck with one, you fuck with them all, baby. Well, that was one of my biggest fears is, so one of my brothers, he's a he's a crazy one. Like, he he's much older than me, but he was the wild one. Like, he he was the definition of he wanted all the smoke, like, he whenever, a bad motherfucker. Yeah, like he he like somebody look at him sideways, he's gonna flip a U. What's and, his name? 
His name is Long. Long. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Long. Yeah, he was the, and everybody knows this in my family, but he um, he was the one that would just take flight all the time. Anybody had an issue, like he was like, "There's an issue. All right, let's go. Let's go run it." You know, yeah. that's how that's how he was. But I was scared of that because I, I I didn't want him to get in trouble or do something bad to 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 help me. You know, because knowing him, and he's your older brother. That and that's crazy that you had that. Yeah. That that sense that you know that that thought process, bro. Yeah. Being younger, bro. Yeah. So maybe you were a little more wiser. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the way I thought about it because, like I said, I, I knew how crazy he was because there was a time when um, my little sister got hit by a car um, in a in our front house. Um, he was speeding, and then my it was it, I mean it. It probably was my little sister's fault, but she ran across and then she, um, she got hit. Um, you know, the, the driver hit her, and then my brother just went berserk, bro. Like he he went to the garage, went to go get the shotgun, and would like wanted to blow that guy's brains out, you know. And that that's how he always was, though. He was really protective and crazy, and I was always scared of that. And I think it's because of that that I I realized that you know I can't I can't bring my troubles upon him because. He would do some crazy stuff, you know. It's very uh, selfless of yourself, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? To be the younger, the younger brother, and to be worried about your brother because you didn't want nothing to happen to him because you knew yeah. the type of he was a short fuse, baby. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's gonna take that shit to the motherfucking box for sure. Wasn't fucking around. That was that was him. Would would you say that I mean when we when we when when you see your brothers and your sisters, you know, and 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 so like I have kids, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, she's a little more like me, yeah. You know, this one, she's a little mixed with both of us, yeah. right? Would you say your older brother, the crazy one, was a lot like your pops? I feel like we all were to a certain extent, to be honest. Yeah, like we. Um, like for me, example, like I feel like I I inherited a lot of my uh, of my dad's traits, like being harsh, showing tough love, and and you know having a lot of distrust and and just um, being really just to the point, you know. And um, like I have a little brother and sister, and I help kind of you know I grew up with them, and I feel like to me in a sense I, I help raise them, and. The way I would try to raise them was like my dad. I would always, I was always harsh on him, and I can, I can feel that I was getting that from my dad. And even to this day, I feel like I, I, I have his traits. You know, like sometimes I'd be tripping and, and I get mad at my girl sometimes. <laughs> like you slap her up real quick. Like getting <laughs> <laughs> my bad baby, got that from my pops. Yeah, like you know, I'd be like getting, some of them. Some of the Mexican hunters like that shit. They're like, <laughs> they're like all of a sudden they're like, boop. You know what I mean? Get your ass over here. But yeah, I mean that's I can definitely see my dad inside of a, a little bit of my dad and and every one of my siblings. So yeah, we 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 for sure inherited a lot of you know his attitude. What and, was the characteristics of your mom? Is your mother still alive? Yeah, my mom's still here. Shout yeah, out yeah. to moms. What's yeah. mom's name? Cha. Cha. Cha, we love you. Thank you for creating this amazing <laughs> bean right here. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, shout out to Cha, baby. She went through a lot, man. 
went through a live birth and all those babies, man. She had it cut out for her. I mean, yeah. she probably had dreams too. Yeah. She probably had dreams, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, that you know we when we talk about the old the old olden times, the Yeah. You know, like I wonder what her dreams were. What were her dreams? Did she have dreams? Did she ever say, "Hey, you know what?" I didn't really want to live like this. I didn't want to have a hundred babies. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, I, I really wanted to be a dancer. You know, I wanted to, you know, I'm just saying, right. You yeah. know, I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to, you know, like we, we, we all have dreams. Like life. dreams is what fuels us to move forward in life, bro. Without a dream or a purpose, I get it. She couldn't, she couldn't move forward with her dream. She had to move forward with her purpose. Her purpose was being a mom, bro. Yeah. That was her profession. Like if she had, if it, like mom should get degrees too, bro. Yeah, you know what I mean. When 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 women have babies, and I'm and <laughs> excuse me, but when, when when women have babies and they spend a certain amount of years raising kids, raising babies, while the man is you know doing what he got to do for the family, keep the lights on, so on and so forth. I mean, they should they should have an opportunity. Oh, you had three kids. Okay, cool. Three kids, uh, when she gets this job, her pay rate automatically goes to this. I mean, I'm just saying, bro. Yeah. Makes sense to me, dog. Does that make sense, dog? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, shout out to the women out there, dog, birthing these babies. Because if it wasn't for women, homie, the world would fucking stop. Yeah. Facts. It'd be a fucking spinning-ass world with a couple old hanging dicks left over. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, women, bro, if it wasn't for women, the reproduction of fucking mankind, bro, like, out of the top, dog, if you birth three kids, bam, you are eligible for this, yeah. you know? Why does a mom gotta have birth these kids and then all of a sudden, oh, I gotta go to school now because, you know, at 35 years old, and I'm just saying, like, oh, yeah. is, I mean, is that a, is that a legitimate topic? Is that a legitimate something to talk about, bro? For women, bro? It takes time from your life. You're raising kids, bro. Yeah, you gotta yeah. breastfeed. The, the dude can't stay home and pull his titty out because there's dudes that got titties <laughs> like women. Let's be honest. I used to be one of them. Not no more. You know what I mean? Yeah, blur that out, dog. We're gonna cut that part out. But I'm just saying, bro, like, shit, dog. Women, bro. We, 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 the empowerment, and I get it, the we movement and all this other stuff that's coming into effect. I think we're, we're taking the wrong path with that, but that some of that are legitimate and it does count, you know. But we should be empowering them in, in other ways, especially moms, you know. And that's just my little rant on moms yeah. as I sit here with you and we have this topic. But what were her dreams, brother? Did she ever say any, anything she wanted to do? To be honest, no, because like what Mong OGs. They keep everything to themselves. Like they don't, they don't like to show any sort, of, any sign of weakness or any, you know. I'm sure she had her own dreams and stuff, but like to her, she pretty much accepted her her role in, in this life. And like in the mom culture, the um, that the wife basically does that. You know, when when a when a male marries a a, a female uh, mong. Um, she becomes part of the, um, the, the, the groom's clan and she's responsible for kind of taking care of their side of the family. Now she becomes, she, the, the, the woman becomes their part of their clan now, their person. So, you know, I'm sure she had dreams and stuff, but you know, when, when she got married, that was, you know, that was like a contract that she signed, you know, that, you know, okay, I'm gonna go marry and I'm gonna go take care of, of him and, and our family that we're going to build. And that was that was it. And because there was an unwritten law in the in the Hmong culture, the community. Yeah, there was, once you birth the baby. 
Yeah. Once you're a mother of a clan. Yeah. And like I said, one of the big life events in, in the Hmong culture is marriage, you know, where uh, they do a, we have our own wedding ceremony and everything. Um, and this is a trip to some people, but in the Hmong culture, when, when a, a Hmong man marries a, a Hmong woman, um, he has to come and, and kind of bring like a, an offering and it's it's a monetary offering and um in our culture you you i mean i, w I hate to say it like this but you would have to buy buy her um and you do that out of respect and because you're 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 taking that person away from their clan and making making her become your part of your clan so we do a whole wedding ceremony and everything where we bring our elders together and they they pretty much you know combine the two and then um the the elders from each side of the party they 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 negotiate like a kind of like a mutual price in terms and make sure that you know if there's any beefs out there that they're all settled and you know make pretty much just they're, they're kind of like their mediator they're their officiator kind of in a sense so so i mean we're talking about we're talking past tense it's, no, it's it's still to this day. Like. It's to this day. So let's 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 entertain this. Let's entertain this. Let's entertain this, bro. So let's speak in past tense to that ritual slash cult part of the culture, mm -hmm. right? What would be presented mm -hmm. to the to the would would it would it be a man, the father mm -hmm. of the groom or the bride? I mean, who who makes the initial? Uh, a deal because obviously the parents are behind it, right? Yeah, so the parents are making the deal, and who makes it, and what is offered, bro? Like, is it is it uh, is it a, is it livestock? Mm -hmm. Is it you know? Yeah, so I don't know all of the fine like small details, but yeah, it's um you know the ceremony takes place at the bride's house, and it's usually like a two day event, and um. Yeah, they come together and they do their whole ceremony and they do bring um, like offerings. They they bring killed chicken. Um, I need some of that in my life, baby. Yeah, so they they would come like there's a certain um, certain way about doing it, but you know there's like a um, a certain amount of killed chickens you bring and then you disperse it to certain individuals and then um, and the killed chicken is a recipe, not just a killed chicken. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's very basic. It's. It's a killed chicken. They boil it, and then honestly, they just put. You know, uh, they spice it up with just black pepper, salt, and and that, that's pretty much it. And they might add like you know, like like little herbs in there. I mean, but you have you have you have just amazing uh, marinated boiled meat with a, a, a broth that is just delicious, yeah. bro. Yeah. And 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 we have the we, obviously we pluck the feathers. We got the full chicken in there. Yeah. And everything is 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 ate. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, they all feast there. They're, they they all drink. And um, what do we drink? They drink a lot of beer. And let's talk about <laughs> in history back then. Past tense. Past tense. I, I Honestly, I don't I don't really know what they drink back yeah. then. I mean, um, was there any was there any marijuana involved or, or uh, uh, coyote? You know what I mean, uh, uh, peyote. What is it? Peyote. Yeah. Not that, not that I know of. Okay, no. because we we're talking about a, a shamanism, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, culture, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, so I'm sure there had to be uh, mind, you know, elevating substances. substances so that put us in these dimensions, yeah, and had the spirit world talk to us. 
So there's this instrument that we have in the Hmong culture, and it's it kind of it's like a it's like our version of a clarinet. Okay. And uh, the elders would play that, and um, that was part of like the ritual whenever they they would do you know when there was um, mainly for funerals, um, they would play that, and then they would play drums too uh, during the funeral. Um, like some congas. I don't know what what drum it's called, but yeah, I, I remember so probably just like a piece of wood with some sheepskin on it, yeah, you know, some crazy shit. Yeah, just a pretty simple small drum and yeah, just pound that bitch. Like, I can't. It's it's I I kind of feel a little bit out of place talking about it because, um, like I said, I wasn't raised around a lot of Hmong people. Hundred percent, you know. And I'm not trying to put you in an no, uncomfortable no, no, position and ask you questions, in depth questions no, that you can't like hundred percent speak on right. that are actual factual uh, statements. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about let's move the conversation to this day and age, bro. Yeah. Uh, amongst the Hmong people, when, when obviously the parents aren't picking, mm-hmm. right? But they gotta they gotta co-sign it. They gotta sign it, right? Yeah, pretty much. But you know, there's some families out there that don't follow that tradition uh, because a lot of Hmong uh, Hmong people moved on to Christianity, and such as my family. And you know, we we don't pose that upon you know our brother-in-laws that marry you know our sisters, you know. Um, like I have a brother-in-law that didn't do that, but at the same time, I have another brother-in-law that did um, did do a traditional style wedding. But we're not to a T. We don't do it from you know how it was you know traditionally from 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 A to Z. I think we, I think back then, even to this day, nothing is ever done to a T. Right. It's tailored to you, to the individual's likings, and, and they're gonna they're gonna put their spin on it, right? Yeah. So for for us, we we actually don't even like I said, we don't even push that on upon our our, our brother in laws, but there is one brother in law that did it, uh, and his name is Juan. Um, he he's marrying my sister actually next month. Um, Fucking Juan, they, they have a wedding. <laughs> Shit, we got we got Juan hole coming on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my boy, you need you need one of these right here, bro. We got some back there. You're good. All right, cool, dog. Just making sure you're good, doggy. Um, and so he's going to do the traditional way. Well, so, so when you, so in the wedding, they actually do both. They do the Hmong style. And then like, if you want to do the American style or like the traditional style here, you can do that too. So he actually is doing both. And I give a lot of respect to, to Juan because he, he, he did the Hmong traditional way, but like, like I said, just the, just like the, um, the small parts of it. Like we didn't do it. Like I said, we didn't do it to a T, but he came and pretty much you know, uh, sat my mom down and, and, and all the, you know, the brothers there. And he pretty much like asked us for permission. And then he even gave my mom an offering and, what was it? um, uh, money. Oh, uh, it was money. Yeah. Yeah. Money. Damn. Um, and then the I, was think, I was thinking maybe it would be like an iPhone <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Uh, what, what other things do you think? You know what I mean? Nice vacuum, you know? No, I'm just fucking around, dog. Money, bro, money. And does she get it and be like, all right, that was enough. Or that wasn't enough. You see, it, it, well, so see, you, you see when there's two sides of the family, the mediators, the, the elders, they yeah. negotiate that. So They negotiate that. Yeah, they so negotiate. this, oh, so, oh, shit, this is dope, bro. Yeah. This is dope, dog. Yeah. This is dope. So you're, Juan did it traditionally. Yeah. And so he, the the elders, which would be your mom and maybe some of your brothers, maybe. Um, 
Yeah, so like I said, we didn't do it super traditional. So uh, we we had our uh, one of our Juan used one of our relatives as like our, our med- as his med- uh, mediator. Okay. So and the mediator is gonna tell him, hey, he's like, hey, you know, um, you know, maybe the I want to give her some, I want to give mom some cash, you know, mm-hmm. and and you know, you know, the, the mediator says, all right, that's good. You know what I mean? Does he put a number on it or does he they leave it up to the discretion? So the way it happened was, um, so it's usually they, they have a set, you know, kind of price in mind already. And then the mediator will kind of talk about it with our side of the family. Can you say what price it was? Um, I can't say what price it was. And, and to be honest, I, I forgot the exact amount, but the... Is it, I mean, is it a, is it a, a I mean, would it be like, a, a, you forgot the exact price. I mean, but we... Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. If if I had a ballpark it, I would say the average price would be around five to ten k. Five to ten k. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Given to the mom. Giving to to the mom because you're taking you're you're taking her person. Damn. Yeah. So, big respect to Juan because like he's Mexican, bro. Like yeah, he, he ain't got no five or ten k. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> But that's not that's not what he believes in in his tradition, right? But out of respect for my no, hundred percent, bro, he, he did that. So I was like, damn, like that's what's up, you know. And I, I, I actually, you know, found a new, uh, newfound, um, newfound respect for him, you know, when he did that. And you know, he, he was like, this is what I got to offer. Can you guys, you know? And then we talked about it to see if we were okay with that, and then we were. And then, you know, the. The, the groom has to take a shot with like pretty much every fa- um with um take a shot with every family member of, a shot of, of what uh, of liquor of liquor what yeah. kind of liquor um i don't know what the traditional i don't i don't even know if there is a traditional liquor but we did tequila let's go yeah. baby yeah. let's go 1942 in the house <laughs> right here frankie got the don julio on this bitch yeah and uh, you want to take a shot right now dog nah, tradition at hoodstocks bro <laughs> we don't gotta get married or nothing bro <laughs> you know what i mean i don't even think i can afford you bro <laughs> <laughs> shit five to ten k no i'm just fucking with you dog nah, you good man yeah that's that bro i love this right here dog yeah and i love that juan did that traditionally bro yeah i mean that 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 practice these these old school ways just they need to keep going, bro. Yeah, we can't get washed away with the colonization, the American, the United States. You yeah. know, just no, bro. It, 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 yeah, you are you're American citizen now, or you live in the United States? No, keep doing what you're doing. That's what makes us great, bro. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes the U.S., bro. Yeah. Fucking powerhouse, baby. Because we got all these fucking cultures, bro, that can live within this region, bro, and they can still have the freedom to practice their shit. And yeah. some people are going to be like, freedom, we don't got freedom, we just that, that, blah, blah, blah. Well, tell me a little bit about your history. Oh, you were fucking raised on motherfucking whoopty whoop whoop and this yeah. and that. Homie, you ain't got no say-so in this shit, dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tell me you were fucking laying on the fucking, like you were, bro. Yeah. Everybody's got to say-so. Excuse me, brother. Yeah. You know, but it just... I love it, bro. I love it, dog. I, I feel like my, you know, my my family, bro, a lot of just tradition, culture, passed on stuff has really just been just, like, just washed away, bro. Yeah. Like, nobody just, nobody really, like, my mom or my pops kept their shit and just said, nah, we, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's easy to do once you're like third generation, mm-hmm. you know, 
fourth generation in the U.S., bro, it's unfortunate, bro. You still identify with your roots, yeah. but a lot of the old school ways, they, they've done washed away from, you know, our environment, the U United States of America, brother. You know what I mean? And 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 that's it's unfortunate, bro. But it's it's life. Yeah. You know, I mean, what are the history books going to look like 20 years from now? You yeah. know, it's going to be weird, bro. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I really believe that my family kind of evolved. Like we, we kept the good parts of our tradition and I feel like the and the main parts. And um, and then we also, you know, found a way to to adapt here to American culture. I mean, this talking about 20 years from now, bro, like, bro, the way people are. You know, it's a melting pot, bro. Mm -hmm. The way cultures, you know, blacks marrying whites, mongs marrying Mexicans. Yeah. You know, and then we don't know what their our kid their kids are gonna do, bro. Yeah. I mean, maybe further down a hundred years from now, there's not gonna be no race. It's gonna be one race, bro. Right. Because everything has done been integrated, bro. Yeah. And it comes to a point where everybody looks almost like each other, bro. Yeah. A little darker, little little lighter. I mean, you really think about it, bro. Yeah. True. You know, that's interracial marriages, bro. Matter back in the day, dog, when you see a, a a black dude with a white girl, you know what I mean? White people hated that shit. <laughs> that pussy is over with. It's no good now. It's blown out. Can't stick my white dick in that pussy no more. You know what I mean? Are you seeing an Asian chick with a black dude? Why do I keep on going with black dudes? I'm going the same shit, dog. Keep going. You know, but it's just like, dog, 100 years from now, bro, there's going to be no fucking, it's going to be one race, bro. Yeah. It's going to be one fucking race. I mean, is that safe to say or is that just too outlandish to the... To comprehend? That. Are they expecting that, Preston? Look at Preston. He's half black and half white. Yeah. He looks Mexican, though, bro. He does. But he That's sounds crazy. what? What does he sound? White. <laughs> My boy went and got to try to get a construction job. Can I say the story? Yeah. My boy Preston went and got a construction job because yeah. after 10 years, dog, fucking Mattel, Mattel fucking fired him, bro. You know what I mean? Fuck so Mattel. he's like, all right, dog, because me, me and me and Canine give him a hard time. We're like, homie, you can't work construction, dog. Because you, you, dog, you can't hang with the paisas. Yeah, you can't yeah. hang with the Mexicans. And and when you when you work in non-union or, or shit like that, dog, like it's competitive, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the Mexicans don't play, dog. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the it, bro, when it comes to that shit, they hustle. Oh, yeah. And they're going to outwork your ass. And so we told Preston, Preston, you won't ever, you won't ever survive in that. So what does Preston do? He goes and tries to get himself a fucking <laughs> uh, 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 construction job. Yeah. Right? And so he, he worked some concrete work with the homie uh, Armando. Shout out to Armando, baby. We love you, baby. Uh, and, and anyways, so Armando hooks him up with a concrete company, right? Yeah. He goes, these are friends of mine. You know, uh, I got you an interview. He gets an interview with them, and, and, the, and he's applying to, Preston is applying to do concrete, yeah. to lay concrete. Yeah. He does the interview. He leaves. They call him back, and they said, hey, uh, I think we got a better job for you. 
<laughs> and he's like, yeah, what is it? They're like, we got an office job for you. They told him we got an office job, bro. And I'm like, dog, you just got the, you know what I mean? You just got that office vibe, bro. Your, your voice, dog. Like, if you came to me, dog, I'm like, dog, I ain't gonna put you out here with these fucking animals. They're gonna eat you alive, dog. You got you a good looking kid, dog. You got a nice voice, dog. You know how to do paperwork. Let's put you in the, you know what I mean? Let's put you in the right position. And shout out to that company, bro, for seeing that in you, brother. I love that. Yeah, shout out to the company for seeing you seeing a, a strength that they can use you over here instead of there, dog. I mean, that's just that's that's hey, just. But if anybody still got a good ass office job for Preston, holler holler at Preston, shit. Yeah, yeah. Any hey, Preston's still trying to get a job out here, baby. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and uh, he's a good guy. But anyways, um, that's what's up, though, bro. Like you know, just trying to put him onto some hard work. You know? <laughs> yeah, and he went out and banged for a minute. Yeah, because yeah, because he had he had my voice and he had Canine's voice in his head. Like, Homie, you can't hang out there, dog. You know what I mean? Respect to you guys, though, bro. You guys are hard workers, and and I know that firsthandedly. You know, like, and what I was saying earlier with the marriage thing. Shout out to my other brother-in-laws too. Um, you know, no dig to them because you know some of them didn't do the tradition, but like I said, we didn't put it on them. Um, but hard work. Um, my my brother-in-law Sal Salvador, he's um he's all about hard work. He likes to get his hands dirty, you know. And and I remember I I actually went and did some field work with him um, to earn some money. This was like probably like my freshman year in high school. Uh, we went to go pick cherries, bro. Uh, yeah, and he put me on to to what hard work looked like, you know. Um, you know, bro, I love cherries dog yeah. you know what i mean and, and i'll tell you this dog if you put me out to pick cherries dog i'm gonna be i'm gonna be eating more cherries dog than 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 i'll have in my basket bro you know that anyways yeah bro hard work is 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 essential dog and we and we we love our brothers that are out there putting in that hard work bro um it's funny i was thinking about it and I was like, I was thinking about your childhood that you were telling us mm -hmm. that you always had your back against the wall. Yeah. You know, just a couple Asian dudes. You know what I mean? You didn't want to get your older brother involved. Yeah. Boy, too crazy. Yeah. You know? And, and you, I mean, you're, you're fighting Mexicans, bro. Yeah. But now, <laughs> you, you, you're sitting at tables with Mexicans. I'm on Hoodstocks, baby. Oh, but this is everybody right here, dog. This is a, this is everybody, dog. This is I'm a represent. I, I am a rep. This I, not me. This platform is a representation of all races, baby. Yeah. Of all races, dog. Even though sometimes we have more homies on, bro, that potentially are Mexican, bro. But this is the the the, the bigger picture, bro. Yeah, is everybody, brother. Yeah, is everybody. This to appeal to everybody because we have everybody on here sharing. Their lifestyle, their culture, their trials, their tribulations—you know what I mean—and educating us yeah. on 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 a, on a, on a race and on, on something that I didn't exist. I didn't know exist among people, bro. Yeah, you know, a lot of people didn't know that ex that existed either, bro. Yeah, you're the Chinese, you're Japanese, you're Korean, you're 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 you're, you're Thai. You know what yeah. I mean? You're Filipino, like yeah, you know. But the, it, within those. Within those those days, there's other there's other tribes, there's other yep. natives of the land, bro. Yeah, you know. And this is what I love about this, you know, having hoodstocks and being able to just make the call, saying, "Dog, we having a, a homie from the speaking up on the Hmong people tonight." Yeah, 
you know? Love what you're doing, bro. Like, you know, like I said, Hmong people, we we want to shine, but we don't want it at the same time. Because, like I say, we're, we're really secretive people. And, you know, we want that recognition, but I can, I can almost guarantee you, if you try to find another 25-year-old Hmong guy that, like, grew up with just purely Hmong or, you know, really in that culture, it'd be really hard for them to, to find that courage to come up and, and probably do this. And I um, hope you encourage more Hmong people to do this, brother. Yeah. I think it's important. Well, to be honest, I felt like it was my responsibility. I felt like it was, you know, part of my responsibility to put the Hmong people on and, and let the world know who, who we are a little bit. And, you know, we are, our history runs so deep and, and at the end of the day, we, we, we want a little recognition, you know, and as you should, brother. I mean, growing up as a child, bro, like music, uh, movies. I mean, what kind of what kind of music originates from the Hmong people? Is it a t- kind of like a native tribal type of thing? Um, I mean, what were you raised on? Yeah, well, for when it comes to Hmong music, it was just uh, it's it's funny. It's uh, it would just be women singing a cappella, no no instruments, no nothing. Um, and that's like really old school, like really like OG Hmong, you know, music. And then um, I'm sure they had like, you know, some instruments, but I was never really around it. For me, I, I grew up in the ghetto, you know, so I grew up around just rapping, yeah, you bro. know, just, hood, you know. Hood, hood shit, though. Yeah. yeah. You know, like listening to just a lot of gangbanging stuff or, you know, rappers out here, you know. Uh, Bone Thugs, you know, you know, Snoop Dogg, Tupac, you know, uh, this is, um, this is this TRG rapper that I would always listen to, um, from Fresno, Mac G. Okay. And, um, I would slap his music all the time and, you know, he, he was, a, you know, it's, yeah, I, I would love that stuff. I mean, so should some of these rappers be paying for some of our bails, bro? <laughs> you know I mean? That's the real question, dog. I mean, should rappers put up a side of their millions of dollars they make off of rap music yeah. influencing the world, bro? And when Snoop Dogg's talking about murder the cases what they gave me, and I'm like, bro, murder the cases what they gave me while wow, I was listening to your song, dog. Yeah. Pay for my bail, bitch. You know what yeah. I mean? No, that's a that's a that's a funny topic. We're all responsible for our own actions and shit. Check it out, bro. So you brought some monk food. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Preston is warming it up right now. I mean, did you want to take some, you guys want to take some phone calls while he warms it up? Are you good with phone calls? Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Okay, I'm let, me, let me get some phone calls right here. Hold on one second. Let's see if anyone has any questions to ask. Um, Bob, 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 let me get this real quick. There it is right there. Give me one second, guys. Okay, you got that warmed up, don't you? Do a quick second. It's a little slow right now. Okay, let me see. I know this started off a little slow and shit, but I I feel like we got some traction going and shit, dog. Started off a little rough, yeah. Uh, hold on real quick. Let me see. Um, let me see. Uh, let me get this phone. Hold on real quick, guys. 
Hold up. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Hey, what's good? What up? What up? How are you guys doing? Good, good. How are you doing? Doing I'm good. Cool. Thank you. Hey, I, your story is cool. I appreciate it. I love uh, Gran Torino. <laughs> Shout out Gran Torino. Why, is that the Hmong people? Yeah. Yeah, have you yeah. ever seen that movie? Yeah, with fucking uh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, that's Hmong people, bro. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah, that's Hmong people over there. That's crazy. Yeah. No, yeah, uh, I appreciate your story. Tell it. All that. Thank you, bro. And I, I fuck with you guys. I fuck with you, Lucky. You too, Jeremy. Whatever. <laughs> she pronounced my name wrong, bro. It's not Jeremy, bro. It's Dale. So, so uh, what is it? It's Dale, bro. She pronounced it wrong, bro. Okay, I'm sorry. My Dale. Bad. My bad. Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, that, 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 that's my mom's name. That's your who? Gail. You said Gail? <laughs> Son, is that you? <laughs> son, you know my fucking long lost son was calling today, dog. <laughs> hey, I'm ain't nobody my daddy. Don't don't say that. Don't just don't disrespect me. Don't do that. Put what? you right in your face. But I respect you. I'll let you guys go. Do your thing. Thank I'm you, watching. bro. Appreciate I'll you. With you guys. Thank you. Welcome. All right, bro. Be easy, bro. All right, cool. I right, hit you. you. I'll hit you right in your face. All right. <laughs> You're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. What up? <laughs> that, fool said, that fool said, nobody's my daddy. <laughs> I hit you right in the face through this phone. You're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. What up, Lucky? What up, baby? Shout out to my Hmong people, man. I was busted with some dude from, uh, from the Hmong people. Thank you, bro. Appreciate that. Where are you from? Uh, Hawaiian Garden. One more time? Hawaiian Garden. Hawaiian Garden. Is that yeah. out here? Yeah, yeah. I know the guy. Okay. He, was a, he was a big guy named uh, Doughboy. That's dope, bro. I didn't know they had uh, Hmong people out here like that in, in, in the you know L.A. area. I know there's a small handful, but that's cool, bro. Yeah, he was telling me about the, some festivals you guys be having up in uh, uh, Minnesota or something like that. Hmong New Year. It's big in is Minnesota. That what it is? Yeah, Hmong New Year. Yeah, that's what's up. Man, give me a shout out, man. Lucky you too, man. You go punk ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro. The level of disrespect today, dog. <laughs> come on, hey, come on, dog. It's like, like saying fuck you, homeboy. Okay, not no. That's not like saying fuck you. <laughs> punk ass bitch ain't saying fuck you, homie. God damn it, dog. You're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. He yeah, said, that's like lucky. saying, fuck you, punk-ass bitch. <laughs> nah, homie. <laughs> I'll, hit you through your, I'll hit you on your face hey. through this phone right now. Yeah. What up, dog? You're on Hoodstocks. Hey, what's up? It looks like you guys are having a good time. I'm not going to lie. I had some pretty good laughs. Well, it's, uh, the laughs is one thing, but just being educated on the Hmong people is, is, is the... Yeah. It's key. Oh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, and you know what? This is my question I wanted to ask him. You know, like, like good vibes is what I'm trying to say, you know? Absolutely. So look, uh, I'm, I'm, my name is Miguelito Tattoos on Instagram. Let me introduce myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, dude, I just, I was doing a tattoo session. I was listening to you guys, you know, talking about everything. And um, I was telling my client, I was like, hey, how do you think, how do you think they tattoo people, like, over there where, like, his family is from? Because culturally, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Aztecs, the Egyptians, mm -hmm. dude, everybody has their own culture of tattooing, man. So mm -hmm. I was wondering if maybe you could uh, 
uh, put some shed some light on your culture on how the how you guys feel about tattoos. And um, any stories you might have, maybe your family or any relatives getting tattoos traditionally. Yeah, bro. Appreciate that. And appreciate you shedding light on on that aspect of, you know, the culture. And uh, to be honest with you, bro, um, to, to my knowledge, at least, we never had tattoos. Like, if you look at all the OG parents, I, I don't think you can find one that has a tattoo. And to, to some OG parents, I, I actually think that it's um it's it's a little look uh it's looked down upon yeah. uh, uh to some, you know, just um you know, they they don't want you to be, you know I don't know if it's because they don't want like a bra- a bad representation or you know, I remember, you know, going around other like going to a you know, to a monk setting, um you know, sometimes they're, you know, they'll judge you on, on kind of how you look, you know, like, oh, this this kid looks like a bad kid. He's all tatted and and all that, you know. So, um, yeah, Hmong OGs, we, we don't have, to, to my knowledge, like I said, uh, we don't have a tradition of, you know, tattoo. And thank you for calling, wow. brother. Appreciate yeah. you, man. Oh, that was, that was interesting. Thank you for the history lesson. Thank yeah. you, Lucky. Thank Absolutely. you, bro. Absolutely. Thank you, bro. Thank you for keeping it respectful, too, Doug. These motherfuckers are banging on me right now, huh, dog? The other dude's like, I'll punch you in your face. The other fool's like, punk ass bitch. That's like saying, fuck you. No, it ain't stupid. Damn, we real loose tonight, dog. Hold on real quick. Let me see what we got right here. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Uh, this is this Pepe calling. What's going on, this is? What's up, Pepe? <laughs> I know who Pepe hey, uh, is by now. <laughs> I've been listening to you guys, and uh, you talked about his dad working for the CIA. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, CIA prison, I think is a terrorist organization. Um, uh, if you see what they did in Central America in 1983, they blew up some pipelines and, uh, oil storage in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. And two weeks ago, they blew up some pipelines in, uh, Russia, right? In the, in the Baltic Sea. Uh, do you consider, and what they did in Iraq with the weapons of mass destruction, which they lied, do you consider the CIA almost like a terrorist organization? Yeah, man. Like I said, it was it was a love and hate relationship because, like, you know, they recruited us. You know, they 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 pretty much you know found out who we were, and then they're like, hey, let's you know let's choose this group to see they they would fight for us. You know, um, you think, uh, also what they're doing in Ukraine, where they uh, they if you you can look it up, Google it. The United States government, actually the Canadian, trained the Azov Nazis. They're actually Nazis in Ukraine. The United States government is giving weapons to them. And you watch the media, they say that the Russians are the bad guys. But I personally don't think that. Yeah, I, I personally don't have a say in, in, in that. But, um, you know, in terms of, like, the CIA, you know, recruiting us, you know, like I said, we do have that love and hate relationship with them because we we kind of felt like we did their dirty work, in a sense, you know. Sure. Um, so you think the United States is going to backstab the Ukrainians once they know they're going to get their ass whooped by the Russians and then walk away like cowards? Yeah, bro, it's a crazy time we live in right now. <laughs> Fucking Pepe, man. <laughs> oh, I, I'm just saying never, this. My never, wife, never seems to amaze me, don't you? My wife is, uh, yeah. is uh, from, my wife is from Uzbekistan. She's Russian. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that I kind of know what's going on and. Uh, I think the Ukrainian people being used by by the United States to fight their wars because they're cowards. They, get, they, don't, they don't have the balls to go fight the Russians. That's, that's what I, how I see it. The Russians attack them. <laughs> all right, Pepe. Thank you for calling, Pepe. Oh, I have another question real quick. Uh, you know, I have a, I had a co-worker right here. Mm-hmm. He was from Thailand, right? 
Yeah. Man, that guy was always bitching and complaining. Uh, uh, everything was discrimination. And uh, he got really angry when people called him a Chino all the time. They're like, are you from Chinese or Chinese? But he was from Thailand. He would get mad. Uh, do you get mad when people say, oh, are you from China? Uh, to be honest, as a kid, I used to. But it, it kind of, I just kind of flowed with it after a while. Like, I actually embraced it. Like, in, in high school, I when I took Spanish class, uh, the teacher had us pick one word to, to name ourselves for the Spanish class. And it had to be a Spanish name. And I chose Chino. So, so I, I, yeah, I, I embraced it, bro. And everyone would call me Chino in that class. So it was, it was cool. Thank you, Pepe. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. What's up, Lucky? What up, doggy? Hey, this is fucking little baby youngster, a.k.a. C-. <laughs> What's cracking, G? What up, dog? Hey, I just wanted to call in and tell you guys, hey, this is a good episode. It was. And another thing, bro. Yeah. Thank you, bro. I hey, I hate to break this to you, but your black rooster in the backyard, homie, Pepe, he's not a Chicano, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and his great grandpa. Yeah, I know, bro. He was he was gay, bro. When they're doing cockfighting, it wasn't the cockfighting you're thinking. Damn. I hate to break it to you, bro. And that German Shepherd, he's mixed, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, food, dog. Appreci- All right, big dog. I just wanted to call and fuck with you. Thank you, dog. I appreciate that. We got a call from Sacramento right here. Let's get this last phone call. You're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. <laughs> Shout out 916. What up, doggy? Turn the turn the volume down in the background. All right, yeah, yeah, I got it. Got it. Yeah, yep. go, go ahead. All right, what's up, Lucky? What up, Jake? Hey, first off, I want to say fuck you, Lucky. I love you too, doggy. Thank you for getting that correct, dog. Because homie from Hawaiian Gardens had it all fucked up. <laughs> Shit. No, hey, no, hey, I love what you're doing, uh, interviewing different, uh, different races and shit. Um, and uh, my girl's right here listening, too. I got her I got her hooked on your podcast, too. And uh, she knows a lot of, a, a lot of Hmong people, too. She was talking about, um, about a little bit more, a little bit more about the uh, Hmong race when they marry and stuff. And, it, and they, they put a, a, a worth. Or, or like a price on the woman, like depending on um, their education and their virginity and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, bro, that's true. Know. You know, they, and, and that's what they kind of, that, that's part of the reason why, you know, the, the woman does all the chores and everything is because we, we, we raise our daughters right. And then, you know, we, we kind of look at it as we're losing an asset. And if, if you're gaining that asset, you know, there, there's got to be something in return, you know, and it's just, it's just more of a respect thing. But yeah, it's um, I like I said, I hate to put it that way, but yeah, it's it, you kind of there's a price on them, and, and you buy them in a sense. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's 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 good and bad, you know. It's it's just the way uh, people look at it in different cultures. Uh, you know, we're we're Mexican. We have our traditions, and everybody has their traditions. And everybody's traditions are good and bad, but you know, that's how it is. Absolutely, brother. Thank you for calling in, bro. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Love you. Love you too, baby. Thank you, dog. Shout out to your lady, dog. Thank you for watching for the first time. Appreciate it. Um, What do we got right here, dog? We got this food cracking or what, dog? Let's see what it do, dog. 
Go. Bring it through. See what we got right here. All right, man. About to put you on to this. Oh, shit, dog. That's a big old sausage right there, dog. Oh, yeah. Fuck, dog. And this is what I'm doing here. This is out of respect, too, bro. Like, whenever, like, Hmong people are really respectful. Whenever we have guests over or, you know, we're going somewhere, we we, we never want to come empty-handed, you know? And whenever we have guests over, we we open up our homes to them, you know? Uh, and we always we always try to have food ready. The house is clean. Always offering water. We're just really respectful people. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thank you, dog. Yeah, let's get the full. Yeah, let's get the full picture right here. Damn, dog. What do we have right here, brother? Are you a fan of spice? Yeah, I'm a fan of spice, dog. I didn't do the fucking spicy chip channel challenge, dog. But uh, I'm down to do it though. All right. So this is our traditional sausage. No homo, but they call it monk sausage. <laughs> I bet you want me to put that in my mouth too, huh, you motherfucker? <laughs> and then, but <laughs> tear that bitch up. <laughs> and then this is sticky rice, but just purple, purple sticky rice. And really, it's just honestly, it's just kind of I don't know what the root of it, but I think it's just like food coloring. I don't know, but yeah, uh, purple sticky rice is is a must. And then this is our pepper, our our dipping sauce. It's um, we the Hmong we like to use a lot of herbs. Okay. So we threw you know lemongrass in there, uh, ginger. I like ginger. Um, uh, cilantro, green onion. Um, it's like a salsa. Huh? There's uh, fish sauce in there too. Fish sauce and lime. Ooh, fish sauce, dog. Yeah, everybody makes this a little bit different, but this is the way I like to make it, and, and I made this. You damn baby, appreciate you, doggy. That's love right there. Yeah, yeah, that's love. Is 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 the is the picture dragging, bro? The picture's dragging, huh? Yeah, yeah, because it's overheating right now, dog. It's overheating because of the system, dog, and that's why. Boy, Frankie hooked it up. We ain't gonna have this like this. Yeah, nah. It's dragging right now because of the cameras and everything on it right now, dog. The system is dragging, dog. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, and so, um, I'd like to try this out, bro. I'd like to try this out, dog. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna take a, 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 we'll try it out more so, afterwards, but, so this is the dicky rice. Sticky rice. Sticky hey, rice. Hey, hang. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I supposed to do a different one? No, 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 no. I mean, there's no particular way, but, you know, you want to try the meat with the pepper and then eat some rice with it. That's, um, that's the way we normally eat it. But can I, mean, I get a, can I get a separate, like, uh, 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 what do we have, bro? We don't have no plates. No, we got, bro, we got bowls back there, bro. So, some bowls back there, dog. I want you guys to try it out, too, man. Yeah, you guys got to try this, too. Absolutely, dog. Let me help these guys out real quick. Yeah, you can leave it like that, dog. Man, I hate that it's dragging, bro. We got those bowls up there, dog. Hey, you guys get some. If um, you know, put some rice on the plate and grab one of these and grab some pepper. Sure. Yeah. I'm vegan. That's why I asked about that. Oh, for sure, for oh, sure. Oh, he's turning off right? No, I think he oh. just paused it. Yeah. Yeah, bro. It's uh crazy my my oldest sister she got married when she was 13 and she she left the house oh, it's, yeah it's yeah here yeah 
And that's the crazy part, bro. It's like my my parents, they they were living really traditionally in this new world. But like, I mean, if you go to their house and you find out they got two wives, it's like, what? Like, like, that's crazy, you know? But my parents didn't know better, you know? They, They were just keeping the tradition going. Yeah, so... 13, she got married, and then she joined the, the other family because, like I said, she becomes part of their clan. Right. So she moves with him. And then, and then yeah, I, I never I never seen uh, I never seen her growing up. She, oh, she was out dog. the house at 13. Yeah. This shit is dragging, dog. I hate that it's dragging. I almost want to take something off right here. banger. It's just gonna, it's gonna skip. It's all right. No, we're good. Sorry about that, guys. This shit is fucking overloaded right now. All right, let me see. Bro, where are those things at, bro? Let me see. What? Grab one of those and, and dip it in that. Take a bite and then eat it. Follow it with some rice. Okay, let me just. No, Here. we're not really. Uh, I got you, bro. Yeah. There you go. So, so dip and then eat it with some rice. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I don't want to really grab it. But it's all good, bro. Right. Hey, y'all, grab some too, bro. Yeah, you guys get some, bro. And so what is it? Is this pork right here? Yeah, it's pork. It's pork, and then, like I said, we we um, we like a lot of herbs, so we throw, like... Oh, that's just bomb, bro. We throw ginger and lemongrass in there. Um, yeah, so that's... that's you made this right here? I made that, yeah. So I, I bought this at the, the Asian store because they sell them, but if you want, like, real... Like, real mong food, they make this handmade. They make it at home, you know? They, they shred all the... Or, well, that sausage is bomb, bro. Yeah. Bomb, bomb. How's the pepper, bro? Bomb, bro. Yeah. Well, yeah. So this is this is a must. You you know you yeah. go to Hmong New Year's. <laughs> you know you go to Hmong New Year's. You, you know they have these everywhere. Food stands selling this everywhere. You know this is our this is a, this is our staple right here. And then a lot of the Hmong food is there's this dish called uh, kapong. It's a it's a curry soup. Uh, we have papaya salad. Uh, you know, killed chicken. Um, but yeah, this is the this is the main one right here. This shit is super bomb, dog. <laughs> yeah. It's bro, bomb bomb, bro. Yeah. Real shit, dog. This shit is so fire, dog. My boy, this has been good having you here, brother. Yeah. Thank you so much, dog, for yeah, blessing bro. the platform, brother. Yeah. It was a rough start, dog, but we got moving. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, it's new terrain, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes we're tailor made to certain type of interviews, mm-hmm. but this was good and you did good. I feel like you did justice, bro, for the Hmong people, bro. Yeah, you know, in the representation, you know. And I just want to thank you so much, brother, for taking the time, bro, driving from San Diego out here, bro. Thank after you, bro. work, dog. Yeah, preparing this food for us, brother. Yeah, sharing your culture, sharing your story, bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what it's all about, though. Sure. Learning. Yeah, constantly learning, dog, and respecting other cultures, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like as a platform, Hoodstocks, all the brothers in the background, I feel like we're doing the world justice by 
doing this, bro. Yeah. You know? All little dumb little jokes aside and dry humor aside, you know, mine. But this is what life is about, bro. Learning other cultures, bro. Yeah. You know, and understanding that just because you're black or you're Mexican or you're this or you're that, bro, that there's people that don't have the same complexion to you, bro, that have been through just as worse struggles than you, bro. Yeah. If not worse, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. We got to respect people's lineage, people's history. And, um, just thank you so much, brother. For sure, bro. Thank you so much. And bro. I appreciate you giving me the platform and, and, you know, open arms invitation. I appreciate that, you know, and, um, you know, you're doing great things, bro. Like if that, that podcast you did with Johnny changed my life and, I don't know if we got much time, but um, we do. Kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that too. But yeah, let's do it. Um, what you're doing is a life changer, bro, and it certainly has changed my life the past, you know, two months since you had Johnny on here. Um, Why did it change your life? So, bro, like growing up, I there was a lot of, like I said, distrust and and betrayal and struggles and everything in between, you know, and. Seeing my dad passed away, you, when you see death, especially one that you, a loved one, and and then even someone dying in front of you, like I seen one of a, I seen a high school mate die in front of me, like someone I went to high school with, and his body was just on the floor, lifeless, and yep. you know the 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 police officer was doing CPR on him, and his his body was just flinging on the floor, and like. He was gone, you know, and, and I saw that as a kid. I saw that like at 15, 16 years old. Um, I think I was like 16. And then it was a crash right by my house that happened. And then I went to school the next day. I didn't know who it was. And then when I went to school the next day, um, a bunch of my close friends, they're all crying. And they're there. That was his best friend that died. Yeah. I didn't know him personally, but like they were they were just bawling in class, bro. And then I couldn't tell them any of that because I couldn't tell them what I saw because I felt like to me it was my burden to carry. Yeah. And it wasn't theirs. And if I did tell them, it would rip them apart. That's interesting about you as a, as as your character of an of a person, bro. Because a lot of people would have shared that. Yeah. I probably would have shared that, bro. Shame on me, right? Yeah. But obviously, I mean. Your chemistry, bro, uh, is a little different than others, right? Mm-hmm. I'll say it like that, because a lot of us couldn't wait to share what I saw. Yeah, you should have seen him. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but out of respect and love for that person and your, yeah, you know, the people mourning his death. You know, you made a conscious decision, dog, not to share right. that, bro, and 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 that speaks volumes about the man that you are, the young man that you are, brother. Yeah. And I condemn you on that, bro. Thank you, bro. I mean, I, I thank you, bro, you know, on that. I, I, I said condemn. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I condemn you on that. <laughs> Round of applause. Um, But, yeah, brother, that, that speaks volumes, dog. You know what I mean? And so in regards to, like, Johnny's podcast, I mean, it really resonated with you, someone of, of your, that looks like you, right? Yeah. Well, it resonated with me because what he was saying was speaking through me, bro. Like, he was like a mirror image to me. It was crazy. Like, I was like 
literally I was watching it and I was getting chills because everything he experienced, uh, aside from like the prison stuff, like he was speaking to me, like in terms of like your parents never saying I love you or um, because that was like a Asian, you know, culture thing or how we would get picked on by the essays. And I got chased down one time um, from from one of the essays uh, with a gun and, and I was like 10 years old. Damn, bro. And ran for my life, you know, and you know, things like that really resonated with me. And, and for the longest time, I felt empty inside. I was going through, like, I was I was going through a lot of depression is, and, and emptiness because I had lost my dad. And then as I, as I was trying to recover, uh, my, uh, my baby niece passed away. Uh, my baby, uh, you know, my, my niece Haley. And I was there when they took her to a hospital and I, and I remember everything. And I, I kind of like helped raise her because my brother lived with us and shout out to my brother because he went through a lot and he lost his baby girl. And, and those, those couple years was like, like just pure darkness from 2008 to like 2000, you know, 10, 11, you know, my dad passed away, family members passed away, you know, uh, you know, cousin getting shot and killed and, and, and the most gruesome way. And, and that affected my brother because that was his partner and and just a lot, everything, bro. And and during those times, we were while we were down, I felt like we were getting kicked at the same time from from the people around us. Yeah. So, to me, as a kid, the way I grew up, I I saw everything. I was one of the youngest ones, and most of most of my siblings they were they were all older. So I saw them struggle, and I couldn't do nothing about it. I couldn't go, all right, I'm going to go try to work and, and try to help you guys out. Where can I help? I, I couldn't do that because I was little. I was 11 years old when my dad passed away, you know? And I would just sit there, and I remember how every one of my brothers and sisters would struggle. And I would just see how hurt they were, you know? And then I started asking myself. I started, you know, just becoming a really bitter person, you know, just asking God, like, why did this happen? Why did my dad pass away? Why did, you know, uh, baby Haley pass away? Uh, why are we living dirt poor? You know, I'm trying to do good, but you know, you're throwing all these obstacles at me. And growing up, I, I actually went to church here and there. I, I, I actually hated going to church because there was a lot of church politics and it was just a, a, a Hmong church. Um, and like going there, it felt like I was being condemned. Like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. If you do, you're going to hell. You know, yeah. that's how it was for me growing up. And then and then I felt like I was put in so many different spots. Like I was, you know, being raised in the hood and and with all the Mexicans and then going home to, to this and then trying to go to church and trying to understand this, uh, understand Jesus and Christ. And I was just kind of all over the place and I didn't really know how to handle it. Yeah, you were see, you were trying to you were, I mean, you were seeking an explanation. Yeah. Of what was presented, in, you know, in your life, bro. Yeah, and and then you when you go to church, and you don't find that, bro. You know, that's that's got to be confusing. That's got to be tough, bro. Yeah, you know, for for any kid, bro. So, but I, I'm grateful though because without my brothers and sisters, without me seeing them struggle, it wouldn't give me the mindset I had today. Because when I was seeing all of that, I was like, okay, how do I stop my loved ones from struggling? What do I do? And like I said, I, I, I held a lot of guilt because 
I couldn't do nothing for my family. And then also I had a bad relationship with my dad. You know, when he was in a coma and, and was on his deathbed, there's only two things I ever said to him. And it was, sorry, I love you. And I remember I kept repeating that in his ear. Like I would sit by him and just, I, that was the only thing I ever said because I I never really had any good memories with them. I, it was just nothing but pure bad memories, you know? So why, why, why were you apologizing? I mean, was it you apologizing to him, not for you as a son, for, but for the situation that he was in that he had to be, he'd be going through at the time? Was that the apology? I'm sorry, you're the, going through this? No, the apology was because I was a bad son. I was no, you no, bro. No, 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 duh. Yeah. Do you believe that to this day? I, I recently let it go. It it, it took me it took me over a decade, bro. Over ten years. You know what, bro? Honestly, dog, I I, I I can't I can't agree with that, bro. And and you know what? You weren't a bad son. You were a kid, bro. You were a child, bro. Yeah. You know? And at the end of the day, dog. It's the parents' fault, bro. Yeah. It's the parents' fault, bro. You weren't a bad son, dog. I mean, you were a freaking baby, dog. You were a child, dog. That's that's ridiculous, bro. I mean, has people told you this before that you've shared this information with? Are these thoughts? Are these feelings with? I never really let it out, bro. I held everything inside. Like I to me, growing up, I like kind of like the same reason why I didn't go tell my brother. Like, hey, this fool just chased me down with a gun. It's the same exact reason why I held everything in because, like, I didn't want him to go do some crazy stuff and go blow that guy's brains out, you know? And and same thing here with me. I didn't want to express my struggle to to the people around me because I didn't want them. I didn't want to become a burden to them because they were struggling already themselves, you know, like all my brothers and sisters mainly, you know? And, and to me, it looked weak if you you know if you show weakness and that's how it was growing up like whenever there was weakness i felt like people sensed it out and then they would pick on you and i always learned how to pick uh, you know how to fight back and like i i i prided myself uh, by not showing any weakness for the longest time and that honestly that really ate at me you know yeah, you, you you build up you built a freaking Emotional wall, bro, a barrier around yourself, brother. Yeah. That that only hurts one person, and that's yourself, dog. You know? I mean, what is your purpose in life? Honestly, I, I, I feel like I just kind of, I feel like I, I recently just found my purpose. For the longest time, I was trying to achieve the status of I made it. And that typically um, consists of money, Right where I wanted to, to make it and, and, and create my own business and be filthy rich so that way I can come back and save my family and, and stop them from struggling. Because, you know, still to this day, you know, we, we have our struggles here and there, but, you know, I don't wanna see my brother working at a warehouse. I don't wanna see my sister looking for jobs. Like, like to me, like, I wanna be that, that anchor and the one to make it and to, to, to make it in life. But, I had it all wrong, bro. I had it all wrong because, you know, through that, I, through all my experiences, I built a lot of distrust and all of the distrust that I put towards, you know, the people around me, um, you know, even to God, what, where I put that trust was to myself. 
I started trusting myself too much. And it, it, it even got scary sometimes where, you know, anybody that messed with my family, I wanted to go smoke them out, you know, like, and, and I was always methodical about it, you know, like there, there was a time I, I can't speak about the details, but something happened in, in within my family. And, and if I'm being honest, we, we almost, we almost took that guy. I almost took that guy and I did it in the most methodical way. You know, and and that was my that was my mindset. It's like anybody that like that that like fucked with my family, like I'm gonna come get you in like the way that was like. You ever seen the movie Law Abiding Citizen? I don't know if you ever if you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it. But he was doing some like he did ten years of planning just to get back out one person. I think I've seen that movie. Yeah, yeah, and that was my mindset, and. I was like, it was, but at the same time, I was trying to be a good person and, and provide for my family and, and try to be the anchor and be the one to, to save my family and try to make it in life and be rich, you know? Um, but by going to church when I was younger, like picking up, you know, the gospel a little bit, it, it kept me away from doing a lot of bad stuff. And then it was also my, my, my older brothers that kept me away from doing bad stuff. And they did a good job of keeping, you know, the gang stuff and, and everything away from me. Um, and then, like I said, if it wasn't for my dad that passed away, I probably I probably would have been in a gang right now, you know, for all I know, you know. But, yeah, I, I had it all twisted. My mindset is um, I started trusting myself too much. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm a good person and I'm 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 making a decent paying job and I'm not hurting nobody. I'm just trying to provide for my family. But at the same time, I was experiencing a lot of, um, um, I was backsliding a lot, like Johnny said. And this is the part where I resonate uh, a lot with him is, no matter how good I try to do, I, I just kept backsliding. I would fall into doing some dumb shit or something would happen that would set me back. And I would ask God, like, why is this happening? Like, like bro, like I just went through hell growing up. And now I'm in a position where I can do something and I, I am, you know, doing better than before, but why am I still experiencing, you know, um, you know, backsliding? And then, you know, it's the, 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 the way I want to save my, my family from struggle. I, I turn my mindset to how do I save them to get to heaven to, because one of my biggest fears was not seeing my mom in heaven because I honestly didn't know if she believed in Christ, if like she truly, truly believed in Christ. I thought it was crazy. And and that was one of my biggest fears. It's like, well, I'm trying to help them out here on, in this temporary, temporary life on earth and I'm trying so hard to do so, but I'm not trying so hard to do so to save them in the afterlife in heaven. So I had it all twisted, bro. And, and then that's when, and then when I, I, I didn't understand sin. Like I, you know, like, like Johnny said, um, I thought sinning was you do bad stuff and then, and then that's sin. But I, I didn't get the concept that I was born a sinner and it was inherited and that I'm going to do it no matter what, you know? So when I kept sinning, I'd be like, you know, I would, I was like, in my mind, I was like a perfectionist. I wanted to do everything like I was my biggest critic. And if I did something, I, I tried to do everything good, but no matter how good I 
try to do, I did bad. And then I started asking questions like, man, like why, why am I doing this stuff? Like I, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to provide for my family, but something's not right. And there was something that was like itching at me, like, like deep down inside it, it was itching at me where I was like, there has to be more than life to this than, than what I'm living right now. Because there was a point in my life where I was financially free, where I had no debt and I didn't owe a dime to nobody. But at the same time, I still wasn't happy. And then I fell into doing dumb stuff again and then getting into debt, you know? And then it's like, okay, well, financial freedom is what I wanted, but it still didn't make me happy. It didn't make sense, you know? And then I'm in a good position now. I'm working a decent job. I, that, that pays decently. I work from home. I have all the flexibility in the world. You know, why am I still unsatisfied, you know? And then I come to the realization that what I was really looking for was truth. I was in, I was in search of truth. And one day I text my sister, I was like, hey, what's a good recommendation for like a Bible to read? Because I want to read it from beginning to end. I need to know more. There's something more out there that I need to know. Like, like this is not what, just what life is, what I'm doing right now, you know? And then she recommends a Bible and she's like, hey, can I join you, you know, to, to read the Bible? So we started doing a weekly uh, Bible study, you know, and our, our goal is to read from beginning to end. And then as I was seeking this truth that I needed to hear, because I felt like at this point in my life, I, I, I kind of have everything pieced together. You know, I, um, I, I feel like I carry myself pretty well. I feel like I'm mature. Um, yeah, I have a decent paying job. I have a girlfriend. I have a, a very nice family now. We're all connected. But I felt like something was still missing. There was a puzzle, pissing, uh, a puzzle missing. And then one day I'm laying in bed, bro, and your podcast comes up on my feed. And your music starts playing. I'm like, oh, shit, this sounds dope. <laughs> and then I and then I, I keep watching it. And then I know I know who the watching are, too. So I was like, oh, like even more intrigued, you know. So I started watching it and then he answered all my questions. Johnny answered all of my questions that I had, like that missing puzzle piece that I, that I was missing, that I was looking for in my whole life. He answered it. And, and like I said, I, I was looking at myself as a, trying to be the most perfect person to, to my standard and to just fully trusting myself where I would beat myself up anytime I sinned or, or did something bad and this and that. But, you know, like Johnny said, bro, like we're already perfect. We're already righteous. God made us that way, you know? And, and the, the way he, he articulated how sin was, the concept of sin, I was never taught that because like I said, going to church when I was little, they would say, don't do this, don't do that. If you do this, you're going to hell. You know, don't sin, don't sin. So I'm like, in my mind growing up, I'm like, well, shit, every time I sin, I feel like I'm, I'm going to go to hell then, you know? And, and, and I knew that I wanted to see my whole family in heaven one day. And I met up, I, I, I actually ended up DMing Johnny and then we, we linked up a couple times and he, you know, he put me on game and put me, you know, show me all the verses. And when he showed me all the verses, bro, I had chills. Yeah. Like, bro, like this is, this answered all my questions that I ever had in life. It's crazy. And 
at the time I, 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 I held a lot of distrust and, and I had a lot of vengeance in my mind, wanting to, you know, get back at people who did me wrong or did my family wrong um, in the past. And I didn't, I feel like I really didn't know how to forgive. I, I held on to it a lot. And then there's this verse that stuck out to me, um, Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Uh, forgive, um, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. And when I, when Johnny gave me the concept of understanding Christ, and and how God showed His grace on us, while He was being crucified on the cross, and and you know bleeding, dying, and He still had the grace to forgive those people that were doing that to Him. I was like, man, if I truly believe in God, I can I can forgive the people that ever did me wrong in the past. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so when I finally understood that and I finally tr uh, put my trust in God, he allowed me, he allowed my heart to to forgive and to, um, you know, to move on from that, to move on from the, from the guilt and the vengeance I had in, in me. And it felt like a thousand pounds lifted off my off my chest, bro. Absolutely. Like it was crazy. It was, you know. I know there's probably a better way to explain it, but that's how it was for me. I think you're explaining it a perfect way, and that's your way, and that's the way you feel, and you're speaking from your heart right now, brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and, I, and I think this is the best part of this podcast, is this little testimony that you're sharing with us at the end of a podcast that started off a little rough, uh, a, f a couple phone calls were a little rough, you know what I mean? And when you call in right here, dog, we're just playing around, bro. Nobody's trying to be your daddy, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. yeah. We just we, we we clown right here, and if you're not familiar with us right here, bro, then you know get familiar, bro. And we're real easy right here, dog. Yeah. But I think uh, this ending of this podcast right here and this testimony that you share with us, and to uh, think about that that we're you know we know we know the guys in here know, and a lot of people out there know, bro. Yeah. That these men that we have on here, bro, um, are for a reason, bro. Mm. They're for a reason because we don't have everybody. So we had everybody it'd be a fucking be a fucking circus, dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? And um I Johnny Johnny moved us all and he will continue moving the world as he moves forward. Like he moved you, bro, you know? You know, like these stories and these raw conversations with cats like myself with an uneducated fucking vocabulary and uneducated interviewing skills, just raw conversation. I mean, powerful messages can be caught by this platform, bro. And and I'm just, it makes me feel like we're on the right track. We're here for a good reason, not a bad reason. Positivity. There's enough negativity as soon as we fucking turn this camera off and we walk outside, bro, yeah. that we got to fucking deflect, bro. Defuse, yeah. you know? You know, life isn't easy, but if it was so easy, bro, then it wouldn't be, what, what kind of life would it be, bro? Yeah. You know, be fucking Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, dog. Yeah. You know, and, and we don't, we don't, I don't think we want that, bro. I don't think we need that, you know? And so I, I, I thank you again, brother. Yeah. For being transparent, being vulnerable, sharing stuff with us, bro, that you haven't shared with, you know, family members, bro. And, and I honor this conversation. I honor you as an individual, brother, and you will always be welcomed. Thank you, bro. You know, you got a, my direct number, bro. Yep. 
You're always welcome in this house. We family here, bro. When we have these podcasts with these cats, dog, yep. you know, it's, 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 you know, we, 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 the bridge is being built, bro. Yeah. You know, and the conversations being built, conversations build bridges. Bridges build passage, rite of passage, bro. Familiarity, I'm, <laughs> excuse me, yeah. you know, with, you know, individuals and stories and bridges and so on and so forth. But yeah. I just want to thank you again, bro. This has been amazing. And thank you so much, bro. Yeah, no, bro. Thank you. Like I said, can't thank you enough for putting them, you know, put us a, putting, giving us a platform and putting the Hmong people on. And, and, you know, the last thing I do want to say is, you know, pride is the devil. And, you know, we're, we're all in a, um, in a battle right now. And, you know, Satan is trying to, you know, feed us these thoughts everywhere we go. And, and to me, I used to want to be the anchor to, to provide my family in this temporary life. But now I want to be the anchor for my family for, for heaven and my purpose in life. I want to do that for everyone around me. So I told Johnny, Hey, you need a volunteer, bro. Hit me up. I want to come volunteer. Don't even got to pay me nothing. You know, like you're, you're planting seeds of hope where, where hope doesn't exist. You know, I'm from, you know, I grew up in the airport district of Modesto where there's barely any hope there, you know, and, and I want to be able to do that for, for the people around me, not just my family anymore, because I, I, I want to be that anchor to, to, to everyone. Olive branches, baby. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody give it up for Jer. We're out of here. Love you guys, man. Thank you for tuning in. Hit that like, the subscribe.